Number four of Monsters of Metal. I'm trying to think of something spooky for four, and I can't. Oh, the Four Horsemen. There you go. I don't have time to relate that to what we're doing. Wait, but... no, I can't. So, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse was this badass horror comic that came out from Heavy Metal Magazine. True. There was also a Vertigo Four Horsemen series back in the day as well that was pretty interesting. Yes. And we are not talking about anything. That is Marvel Four Horsemen related because that's just horrible X Men crap. (laughs) That was kind of cool, but (laughs) no, it's fine. It's fine. What's up, Dirk? Ah, busy, busy, busy. Last time we talked, I was in the throes of convention madness, and now I am back from that, and I know we'll touch on this in a little bit, but I've got two books and previews this month, so I'm super excited about that. And, uh, yeah, man. Living the dream. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it. Ah, I've been busy, too. It's always yeah, busy. What, yeah, what, are, what have you been up? You've been having some fun, too, from what I gather. I always have fun. No, I do uh, the new weekly horror comic roundup i've gotten back into doing reviews hardcore style and i know oh so here's what here's what i figured right because because the fun had kind of been taken out of it mm-hmm, i was mm-hmm. i was seriously at, at, even at the most i i was i ever did a probably maybe like 10 a month right well yeah. with the roundup i'm doing seriously now somewhere around 30 a month that's fantastic it's insane but like you said, you're having fun. And I remember exactly. back for the old school fans when when you and I talked on the last discussions with Captain Dan. You know, I mean, we I don't know if we talked on the air or not, but you were kind of burned out on it. And people that don't write reviews regularly, because I, I did it for years myself, whether it was in in music first and then in comics, it can get to be a real grind after a while, depending on how you do it. You know, and you got to find new things to say and all this stuff, and you know. Uh, it can be, it can get to be a grind, but I'm I'm very ecstatic that your voice is back uh, promoting the the horror. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Well, then of course I have the the awesome ass podcast like this that I get to host. So yeah. So all right. Well, uh, let's let's do it. What do you got? What do you got in previews? I have got two books in previews. I'm super excited. Um, one of them is definitely more horror oriented than the other. Which uh, uh, I've got a book coming out from Image Comics Shadowline called Love Stories to Die For. It's on page 191 in uh, previews. Uh, and this is a one-shot flip book, and it's so cool because what we're doing is um, uh, it's, you know, you, you pick up the comic off the shelf. You're like, oh, cool. And, like, the first story is a, um, a 22-page Vikings versus vampire story. And Rich Bunk's doing the art, some real cool old-school, like, big-muscled guys and primal, non-sparkly vampires just kicking the hell out of each other for 22 pages and you read that story and it's like, oh that's awesome then you flip the book over and there's a whole another 22 page story uh this one's called uh, uh this one's uh, called symptom of the universe and it's a uh, uh kind of like a science fiction story about a space station that's been overrun by aliens 
and uh, there's one escape pod left for two people but there's three people left on the on the ship and it's a, a husband a wife and the wife's lover <laughs> and uh, that art by Owen Gianni, just real amazing, kind of like a European style, almost kind of like if people are familiar with Black Sad, that kind of style art, really, really just beautiful, gorgeous European art style. And uh, the whole issue together, it's you know four ninety nine, which is less than the price of two uh, full, pay, you know, full comics if you bought them separately. So I'm super stoked about it. This is kind of like a continuation of what I was doing online with the love stories uh, about death one-shots. This is kind of like that. You know, we've kind of rebranded it to love stories to die for. And uh, coming out through Image and, you know, I've been telling everybody, this is not a trade paperback. This is a comic. This is a one-shot deal. It's an Image number one book. You can get it this month that's it this is not something that necessarily i'm going to be able to have with me it shows forever it's not something that three months later you can go to the store and oh you know even come september you know if they don't pre-order it people may not have a chance to get it you know image number ones have a tendency to kind of uh sell out so and then they come out in these image first right well and and, in this kind of book i don't even know if they i don't know if they would do something like that because it's a flip book it's a double-sized issue but you know, or you end up having to pay a lot of money for it on eBay, because um, right. just like I said, there's not a trade paperback. This is a, a, a an issue. It's a double sized issue. You know, four ninety nine pre order if you want it. Dirk is going to uh, pre order a hundred copies because once they get up to a hundred dollars a piece, he's going to go on eBay and become a millionaire. I will have yeah, I'll have like fifteen eBay accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Signed by the writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, that happened when 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 uh, when Diaz de la Mortos came out. You know, I ordered some extra copies for myself, and they started going for like you know twenty five bucks at one point and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to sell my old work online for twenty five bucks, you know, because I had a couple I took to shows because a couple of people were specifically asking, you know, that they didn't have local comic shops or whatever. Right. But uh, I did think about that. With this, I think it's going to be a real big deal. You know, the um, it's just a real cool book, um, fantastic art, and uh, yeah, like I said, this is actually um, first time I've ever done a, 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 a single issue of a book through Image, so I'm really excited about that. Very cool, very cool. All right, what's the other book? The other book I am super stoked about, uh, I am doing a four-issue story arc. It was going to be three, but now it's going to be four, so I'm really excited. That's just because you wrote too much. Well, I- <laughs> <laughs> well, the story evolved enough that I was like, I actually asked the publisher. Uh, I'm a very dense writer. You know, I mean, most of the stuff I've ever done is, is eight-page short stories. So I, I, I'm a get-in, get-out type of guy, just like Saturday Night Baby. Huh? <laughs> and <laughs> start in the third act, what I say. Third canning style, baby. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm going to hell. But, uh, <laughs> all the, and not getting any dates. Uh, no, it's for Big Dog Inc. And uh, the book is The Legend of Oz, uh, The Wicked West. And it, it's a book about the legend, you know, The Wizard of Oz, if it took place during the Wild West. And, and I've told everyone flat out, I'm like, this is one of those books that works so much better than than, than maybe it sounds like it's a right to. I heard the concept. And I've never been a big le- uh, Wizard of Oz guy. And I, and actually, I, I I got the this deal came together at Damcon, as a matter okay. of fact. 
So uh, one more reason to go to DanCon, but um, for everyone. Um, but I, I read the book and I'm like, this is just really cool, man. It takes like the best parts of like a a, a, a western, you know, which western comics when done right can be awesome. See the Jonah Hex series by Jimmy Palmati and Justin Gray that DC put out initially, and uh, combines you know the, the 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 Wizard of Oz mythos in it. And starting with issue 12, I'm doing a four-issue story arc, which is about the origin of the Flying Monkeys. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And in the in the Wizard of Oz, Legend of Oz, the Wicked West book, they're actually gorillas with, like, these giant bat wings. So they're even scarier. Because, like, the Flying Monkeys were, I mean, I'm just going to say it, man. They were scary enough. Uh, but they were monkeys, you know. Well, now they're gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but very, it's very, very, very cool. And I actually got to do a lot of research. Um, I didn't know how deep the mythos in The Wizard of Oz goes. And because, you know, when you watch the movie and stuff like that, oh, the Wicked Witch has flying monkeys. Well, there's actually a whole story about how she got control of the flying monkeys, things like that. Uh, the Winkies, who are her soldiers, how they came into play and all that stuff. You know, the ones that chant Oreo. Um so I'm actually got to do a little research into that and stay fairly true to that, but also kind of filling in a lot of the blanks about what was going on with the with the, 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 the flying monkeys, the gorillas, and you know, their side of kind of what was happening as all this went down. So yeah, so that's that's in previews too. It's on page two sixty two. So, you know, people go to the comic shops, you know, order you know, at least one. If you want to be a speculator, order two. <laughs> or <laughs> copies of um, of Love Stories to Die For. And then on page 262, um, Legend of Oz, The Wicked West, number 12. Oh, and the other cool thing, Dorothy has been out of Legend of Oz for a while. Because, you know, she, you know, spoiler alert, killed the, the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. She became the new, as a result, she's become the new Witch of the West. And in my issue, she comes back to the book for the first time in, I think, about six months. And we now see her as the Witch of the West and how different she is now that she has to assume the responsibilities of being the witch. Um, so real cool, man. Just really, cool. really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, so it's, it's horror, but not in the way that you know, people might normally uh, uh, associate it. Right. So, yeah, Low Stories to Die For is on page 191. Uh, Legend of Oz the Wicked West is on page 262 and, and like I said these are one shot deals man and I, I, I cannot I, I'm warning everybody right now if you want them order them because uh, this is it cool well alright let's let's switch gears let's talk a little music uh, what, yeah. what have you been up to musically in the past month <sighs> music go to any shows this month have I gone I have not um I almost went to one or two, but I've just been so busy doing this writing stuff. I've been kind of like a hermit staying home writing. Uh, we touched briefly before the show, and I'll just say I did listen to the new Black Sabbath record. Um, and I listened to it, and it's fine, but I don't have any reason to go buy it or anything like that. But the new, and I know we'll touch on this a little later, the new Amana Marth record is out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, save that for like five minutes. I will. I'm not going right. to get it. Right did you go, did you go all crazy like everyone else yesterday and get your goblin tickets? No, but I heard that they're they're playing out, and I I didn't know they went on sale. I'm going to have to check into that because I, yeah, they're they're playing out again, and they're playing with 
Who are they playing with? I have no idea. But but something like I saw that they're playing with someone, and I'm like great googly moogly, and I I, I I need to make it a note when this is over to go check into that because I'm, uh, I'm getting the information because apparently I should already have it. Well, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 that, that was like the most random thing ever. I heard that, you know, I'm like, goblins playing out? I'm like, what, what, what is this? Well, if it makes you feel any better, there are no shows in your area. Uh, there, there's one close enough that I can... Uh, is Pontiac, Michigan close to you? I could. I'll, I'll find. I don't. I'll. I'll find. I'll get. I'll get to where I need to get. <laughs> the Chicago <laughs> show sold out. I hate to tell you that already. What? Special guest. Oh, good lord! Their logo is so hard to read. Secret Chiefs. Yeah. Well, you know who Secret Chief? Secret Chiefs Three. Was oh, that what it is? Secret Chiefs Three. That See, is. I don't even know who they are. That's why I would say. Well, like that. my as much as I have a passion for metal, my other passion is Mike Patton. And Secret Chiefs Three is a spinoff band, or the members of Mr. Bunkle. Okay. So that's what I'm like. Goblin and Secret Chiefs Three are playing together. Holy, you know. And then I. <laughs> so yeah, I know what I'm. I know what I'm doing when we're done here. Stupid Ticketmaster taking my money. Good luck. That's all I can say. It's good luck. Yeah, I know. According to this, this is their first ever your American tour. I don't know. But I know people were going crazy about it yesterday, so there's there's that to look forward to. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's cool, yeah, because they've never played the States, things like that. Um, and like I said, and the fact that they're playing with the Secret Chiefs 3, who is a, you know, uh, you know, a Mr. Bungle, you know, spinoff, which is one of my favorite bands. So, and they're playing very small venues, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know in Chicago they're playing one of the smaller venues. Which, that's understandable well, you know sure. it's better, that's the it's easy way to guarantee you're sold out it, right it, it's right. Tour, it'll be like spinal tap it'll start as grand as can be and then it'll end at six flags yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fairground well, we gotta compete with the puppet show <laughs> yeah well it's much better to play a smaller room and uh have it packed than a big room that's of empty of course so. Yeah, but this month I went and seen uh, Polka Dot Cadaver, and uh, who else was there? One-Eyed Doll and Exotic Petting Zoo. And uh, I, I will say this, Exotic Petting Zoo, the music video I saw that you had on, on YouTube, was better than every other song that you played. <laughs> for, for which one? Exotic Petting Zoo. Oh, <laughs> It was that you know the the music video they have was for their hardest song and every time they, then they get up on stage and it's just like it's like oh my god really just play the song <laughs> and then uh, when I doubt was... I hate I hate it when bands do momentum killing oh of course of course they that's how they trick you they get you they get you to get that album because they they tease you with something that you think's like yeah and then you get it and you're like no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is what it is. Uh, what I doubt was very interesting. It's like a, a local H White Stripes thing where it was just uh, two people. But oh, nice! Very, very entertaining show. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, you'd have to look them up to to understand it. But if you get a chance to go see them for a decent price, go go check them out because it's it's definitely a show. Uh, and then, and of course, then Polka Dot Cadaver, who uh, we're gonna feature at the very end. Of, to, of this month's episode, so we'll we'll talk more about them later. But uh, fantastic show! Haven't seen uh, the 
guys from Dog Fashion Disco in a long time, so it was it was really cool. So, and, and I did not know we were talking about this right before we started that that Polka Dot Cadaver. That's the guy that was also in El Creepo. Mm-hmm. And which, knives what? and knives out, and he was one of the singers of the Altar Boys. Yeah, which 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 uh, a friend of mine just turned me on El Creepo. Uh, recently and it was one of those things i'm like it was just this real cool little just kind of southwestern kind of acoustic little weird thing and it was very very neat so yeah yeah all right so now tell us what's up what's your song this month i know you're excited to talk about this i am so excited and it actually relates to my love stories to die for one shot the vampires versus viking story is the story that i've wanted to do for a very long time um you know and, and rich and i've been working on stuff like that and i could it, it, and despite the very testosterone driven premise uh, it is a there is a love story aspect to it okay believe it or not <laughs> And uh, but I could never and and I've always derived a lot of the song titles and stuff as inspirations from songs, and uh, I could never find that that right title for this story. And eventually, I settled on Bloodlust, which you know the Browning, uh, you know, because it, it is a very testosterone-driven story, and it's just a fight. A lot, a lot of it's just fighting in this issue, so it's fun stuff. And uh, then, lo and behold, the universe finally said. Well, it wasn't time yet, Dirk, for you to be inspired by the title. Because here is the title. And lo, Odin and his servants, Amana Marth, deliver unto the masses their new record, Deceiver of the Gods. And I heard that title, and I heard the song, and I said, Thank you, Amana Marth. I apologize that I did not check you out initially when I was supposed to, because I heard, oh, they're a Viking metal band, and thought it would be wanky. Wow, was I wrong. Amana Marth is probably one of my favorite newest bands. They are super heavy, totally straight up, totally awesome. And uh, Have you hence, already gone back and bought all like 10 albums? <laughs> yeah, they don't have that many. They, they have, I think, five or six, but yeah, man. Still. <laughs> hey, Amazon, Amazon Prime is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> and your worst enemy, free two-day shipping. But... Uh, yeah, um, their their new album, Deceiver of the Gods, is, again, just real heavy, very melodic where it needs to be, very, very good. And Deceiver of the Gods became the title of the uh, the Vampire Viking story, um, which is cool because now on the on Love Stories to Die For, the old school story, Vikings and Vampires, has a new, drives its title inspiration from a new band, Mana Marth, and the science fiction story, which is like kind of a new school derives its title from uh, an old band in Black Sabbath and Symptom of the Universe. <laughs> Which is a fantastic cover on their cover album with by Sepultura. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. Very Nativity cool. Black's great. So, yeah, so my song this month is, um, you know, the Amana Marth, you know, Deceiver of the Gods! <laughs> Which I can't even do it as well as them, and I hope that the lead singer from Monomarth does not hit me with a big uh, Thor-like hammer when he sees for that <laughs> pitiful, uh, pitiful uh, attempt. All right. Well, before we get to the song, we just want to remind everybody while you're listening to the show, if there's any links or anything that you you want to check out, you'll hear a band you like or anything like that, you go to monstersandmetal.com, and we have all the links and everything posted there. And as always, uh, don't forget if you have any comments or questions or anything for the show. 
you can uh, send them to us on the contact link. And we need questions for Doug to respond to for the I Hate Everything You Love segment. <laughs> There's so many things I want to ask him, but I, I feel like I'm immune because I'm part of the show, so I can't. <laughs> but maybe, we, maybe we'll change the names to protect the innocent. Hmm, maybe I can maybe be... Maybe should. Maybe I could be uh, Dark Monning or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so with that, uh, enjoy the show, everybody, and Dark and I will be back at the end. Yes, sir!
right, joining me for a very special interview uh, is the man, one of the men from 44 Flood. It's Kazra. What's up, Kazra? It's one of the bearded men. One of the bearded men? Yeah, we still all have beards, and apparently no one will let us shave anymore. Oh, how horrible. Oh, it's. I think it's, it's become like our logo. Oh. <laughs> People draw us with these like beady eyes and strangely, you know, pubic-haired beards. And um, they know us about as much for that as our books, I think, at this point. <laughs> so the, so basically you're saying when you open the book, they'll just be everybody's beard. Maybe every book should come with one, one beard hair for everybody. Ultra-limited, ultra-limited <laughs> beard. People, I think people have asked for um, uh, books with Menton's beard in it. For, for Monocyte, I think that happened, actually. Well, you know, it'll be weird when he, when he paints with it. Uh, he has done that before. I don't know if he wants me to share that. But I, I don't. <laughs> Too bad. I, I don't know if it first happened by accident. But the the man is very creative, and he goes with the flow. All right, so uh, we're we're here to talk about your your new Kickstarter campaign. Uh, there, your first one was like this amazingly huge success. I mean, it, it just kind of can you tell me how like how overwhelming that was just for the uh, first one? It's. I mean, even you saying that right now is giving me a little bit of goosebumps because um, I don't think that we've all processed it. We we, um, we really wanted to build a company. Um, Menton and I have been talking about uh, a book like Tome for years, and we just put our, our heart into that first Kickstarter, and people gave it back a hundredfold. It was it was kind of freaky, honestly, and and basically because of that first Kickstarter our entire lives shifted into um, the sort of ideals and ideas for 44 Flood and what, what we wanted to do, what we could do, and we all just became super galvanized and committed to making stuff through 44 Flood in a, in a way that probably would have normally taken years. It was like, it was like a, a dog year because of that Kickstarter. Well, let me, let me ask you this. I mean, you, you know, with doing the Kickstarter, um, what what did you notice different with that than saying going to the self publish and and everything? You know why why go this way? Well, I mean the people have their own reasons. I can tell you that when you talk about tome, tome is massive. It's it's twelve by eighteen inches and two hundred pages. There's an inserted CD, and uh, it's an anthology with. An enormous number of contributors. I think Tome One, we ended up somewhere uh, around 92, 95 contributors. So, self-publishing that—I mean, you might as well kill yourself. Uh, and then, even trying to get a major publisher to do a book like that—I don't think that they would touch it. It's right. It's right. way too uh, complicated. And man, editorially, as much effort as we put into this book, it still took—it took me six months. To to catch all the cats in the yard, you know, with editorially, just to put the book together, and that's without all the other work that had to go on and all the other luck. So, Kickstarter was like very. It was very much. This is our dream. Uh, it's twelve by eighteen, two hundred pages. It's a it's a it's a strange theme. It's all about perspectives. We want to give you some music. We want you to experience art in a different kind of way. Please. Uh, sort of thing. Do you feel the same way? And there was just a resounding uh, yes. Okay. Well, right now uh, your your Kickstarter is has just started for Volume Two, and it, I it's I, I don't know. You, you'd hate to say like amazingly, but 
I mean, it was it was one of those things where it was, in honest, the way I saw it was expected that in one day you guys hit your goal. There's the key word, man. Expected. It's like to us, it's like if that you know, sophomore slumps. Every rookie of the year has a horrible second year. Everyone has a horrible second year in whatever profession they're doing. It's like we had to step up our game for volume two and really look at what we wanted, what worked, what we believed in, and and tighten it to, like, as much as we could. And then, again, hope that uh, people responded to it. And, again, they, they did. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we're going to be able to make volume two now because – of uh, everyone's support through Kickstarter those first few days. So, can you kind of give me an idea? Um, okay, if I want, if I want uh, Volume Two, and I go to Kickstarter, can you give me a, like a breakdown on on like uh, costs and everything? Like, so if I want to pick this up. Oh yeah, sure. What we do with Kickstarter, with Tone Two specifically, it's it's um, the ninety dollar pledge, which includes shipping in the U.S. and that was the biggest thing that we got our butts kicked on with the first one was shipping. Eight tons of books were delivered to our studio. And I don't know if people can understand eight tons of books. Um, but you have to worry about floors caving in and killing people beneath you when you get <laughs> tons of books. You know? and, then, and then this is a massive, heavy book. And we found out that the, the actual shipping charges of a single book to Australia is seventy six dollars. Wow! Oh man, you got to be kidding me! And then oh, the actual charges to uh, Germany are like sixty two dollars, and and it was it was a bit rough. So what we've done with this one is we were a little bit more realistic. Uh, we explain a little bit of that in the video, um, and the starting point is ninety dollars with the U.S. shipping. Uh, outside of that. What we always try to do is is we try to give people some art choices. Um, there's $30 prints. There's a collaborative piece, uh, a tarot piece, which is part of a series that um, Ben Templesmith and Menton Three are doing together. That you know that's the $45 level. And then past that, we start to give you some discounts on books, like the companion book to Tome, um, and even let you buy Tome One if you missed out at uh, a price closer to the Kickstarter price than the actual retail price. Well, let's talk about that. Um, okay, so for if I'm in the United States, for $90, I get this. What happens if I wait? What happens if I wait and then I see you at a show? How much is it going to be there compared to now? Because I know there is a discount involved in that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's basically the breakdown right now at $90. It's about, let's say it's around $78 for the book and about $12 for shipping. I don't want to get all technical. No, no, no. I mean, no, no, no. I, that's not what I meant. I meant like if I if I go to a show and, and okay, so yeah. If I go to a show and want to buy this from you, what's the cost then compared to being a part of the Kickstarter? Right. Exactly. So in Kickstarter, it's about it's about seventy eight dollars, and in a show, it'll be one hundred and fifty. Right. So I mean, the, so just right off the bat, you're you're saving, the, you know. We, we try to stay around fifty percent, you know, while still being kind of responsible to ourselves because. An enormous amount of uh, of money was lost from from shipping and, and trying to put this thing together. But you know, the first time you put a book together, that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it was way, way, way more important to us to make the book again and to make the book now um, every two years. The the thing is, is if you go to a show and you see Tone, you're probably going to be lucky to begin with because we're pretty much the only people that have it. We still don't we don't have a distributor. We, we're really keeping this pretty limited and. And and a little bit of a almost like a 
like a, a wink wink in the nose secret to people that love art and we would love that to expand out a little bit with Tome 2 and definitely over time um, so that it, it maybe it, it gets known a little bit better or people look forward to it every two years but right now if you see it a show it's pretty much just because we have it right so right. grab it on Kickstarter please okay so let me ask you since this podcast you know covers both you know art and and metal is there any metal involved on the in the music side of this man you know i want there to be um i'm looking for uh, a metal track um and we have we have a really good lineup for the cd right now there's some video game composers um that have done some some pretty heavy stuff right now though there isn't we're talking to a chicago label that i just won't mention um, that have been totally awesome about us basically selecting from the catalog because they, they they love Tome One and there's some other people too. I'm not going to tell you right now, Dan. Yes, but I'd hope there. <laughs> not a problem, not a problem. Um, you know, if it, I, we're kind of closing in on our ten minutes here, so let me ask you this: if if I want to know more about Forty Four Flood, where can I go? Uh, go to Forty Four Flood. Dot com. It's the number four, number four, flood.com. There's, there's uh, videos and breakdown of, of Tome as a project and a little bit about ourselves. Our Facebook page, 44 Flood, is, is awesome and active, um, and uh, we post there constantly. And otherwise, go to Kickstarter and search 44 Flood or Tome, and you'll see um, the videos we've produced. And as much as anything, I think those videos will give you an idea of, of, of who we are and what we believe in our style and, and what we intend to do. Those videos are so beautiful. They, they, they make you want to have a box of Kleenex right next to you. Like, I know. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> we, um, we are very lucky that um, Menton is so multi-talented. Um, between um, the shooting of the video with our one of our interns, Keith Carmack, and the editing and the, the, the music um, tied to the editing and the feeling and the ideas that we share, it, it, they end up coming together really well, and they truly represent who we are, probably in a better way than we can even say ourselves. Any upcoming uh, show appearances for the, for the rest of the year that you guys are going to do? Yeah, big one. We'll be at Wizard Chicago in, in August, but the, the biggest one will be New York Comic Con in October, and we've announced that with Tome 2, we're going to have a, a gallery show that I'll be co-curating with Last Rites Gallery in New York. Um, that'll open September 28th, but on October 12th, the Saturday of uh, New York Comic Con, we're throwing a party at Last Rites for the Tome 2 Gallery Show, and everyone's invited, whether you pledged on Kickstarter or not. Just come on over. Very cool, very cool. Kazra, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and, and these books are just absolutely phenomenal. I, I can't even explain. I mean, when I finally saw the first one and held it in my hands, I, I was just blown just blown away. It, they're absolutely amazing. So anyone out there, like we already pointed out, you know, get it under the Kickstarter because... You're helping build it from the from the ground up, but you're also getting that nice little discount for for picking it up early. So, so thank, thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. And please, to everyone listening and whoever takes a look at Tome, we truly cannot make this book without you. And thank you from all of us so much. A very special last minute interview requires a very special song. With "You Only Live Once," this is Suicide Silence. Push your care, push your burdens aside Erase everything inside and leave just nothing on your mind You own a number, so just go back and go Cool 
Hello, Metalheads. This is Rondell Roadkill Scott, your host for this first edition of Full Throttle Throwback, a brand new segment here on Monsters and Metal where I'll be taking you back in time for blood splattered classic cuts of comics, movies, and music mayhem. For our premiere episode, I thought we'd take a look back at 2004's Doc Frankenstein by Burly Man Entertainment, a comic miniseries written by the Wachowski brothers and illustrated by Canadian comic veteran Steve Scross. Doc Frankenstein resurrects and reinvents Mary Shelley's original monster as an immoral, tough-as-nails ass-kicker who fights both against political and religious oppression. Despite a few similarities in his appearance, this definitely isn't Carlos Monster. Think of him more as an undead Rambo with Wolverine's healing factor, and you get the picture. We're talking about jumping out of exploding planes with a laser scope mounted minigun style of badass here. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Okay, so right off the bat, I'll tell you that there's a lot of jabs at society, and especially religion, but as long as you can get past all that shit, it's actually a fun read. What really makes it worth checking out are the characters and the non-stop brutal action, especially when Texas Dick is introduced in number three. Yes, his name is Texas Dick. He's basically a Clint Eastwood-type Old West cowboy who also happens to be a werewolf. Yeah, go figure. With a cocky swagger and shit's bullets. Uh, 
He actually reminded me a lot of a character from Garth Ennis's Preacher, Saint of Killers. Um, then there's the young Vicky von Frankenstein, great great granddaughter of Victor Frankenstein, and her super smart dodo bird Einstein. Then there's super soldier monks, fairies, oh yeah, and even God. Yeah. You see, in the history of Doc Frankenstein, God is some sort of roided-out, foreskin-ripping warrior king who rises to power by tearing his way through other gods and anyone else who gets in his way. What is best in life? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. It's so over-the-top, intense, and incredibly offensive, but in a way that makes for a compelling read for any horror fan or comic junkie. All right, yeah, so that's Doc Frankenstein. If you want to check it out, you can actually still order the series online at burlymanentertainment.com. And if you're in the mood for more trips back into the vault of pop culture obscurity, be sure to check me out over at strangekidsclub.com, or you can catch me on Twitter or Facebook. Now, before we head back to the future, I want to leave you with a choice cut of Promethean Metal by Iced Earth from their album Horror Show, simply entitled Frankenstein.
welcome everybody to our first interview this month on Monsters and Metal. Joining me once again is Mark Kidwell. Hey, Mark. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. And joining us this time is Andrew Mangun. How's it going, Andrew? Everything's going great. Thanks for having us on here. Hey, thanks for, for coming on. I know, Mark, we, we talked about, you know, when Wilder was ready, we were going to have you back, and now we have you back. So I'm just going to give it to you guys. Tell us about Wilder. Uh, okay, well, Andrew, you to start? I guess. Yeah, no start. Uh, Wilder is a one-shot, uh, self-contained story concerning uh, werewolves in the Ardennes Forest of Belgium during World War II during the Bulge. Okay, cool. Um, that, that, Mark, about another war horror story? Yeah, it just <laughs> seems like I'm being pigeonholed pigeon here. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, guys, Wilder stretches on more past uh, just a, a World War II story. It, what Mark and I have planned for the story will take you uh, beyond a war, and it'll just, you'll follow the trail of this badass uh, soldier that uh, happens to be a werewolf that uh, you don't want to fuck with. So, okay, so now, so here's the big question for me, because I didn't know this was just a, a like, a, a one-shot for the most part. So are we talking 24 pages, 36 pages, 64 pages? What What are we talking on this? Well, the, the full book is 36 pages. Story-wise, 33 pages will be uh, full illustrated panel-to-panel storytelling. Then we've got some extras in the back. <laughs> and uh, like Andrew said, even this first one-shot doesn't only deal with the war. You're going to see Wilder uh, in several different phases of his life throughout this first one-shot story. Okay, so the main character is Wilder. Yeah, he's a private in the U.S. Army during World War II. His name is Roy Wilder. He's a Texan, and uh, you're going to see what happened to him that night in the forest to kind of change his fate. And uh, then you're going to see him in modern times, too, because uh, his lycanthropy, of course, uh, lends itself to uh, longevity. Okay, cool. So who's doing what on this book? Well, I'm the scripter. There is the pencil and uh, inker. Say what? Yeah, we have we have Roy Young uh, on coloring, uh, Jonathan Swinney on lettering, and uh, Danita Mangum is uh, editing, overseeing the project. Okay, cool. And of course, you guys just announced the the big news of uh, well, I'll let you say it. Who's your publisher going to be? That's Monsterverse. That's real cool. How how did you guys uh, get it in front of Carrie for him to jump on board? Well, well that, that kind of pretty much out. all Andrew. Yeah, um, Carrie and I are, we're both Texans here, and, uh, uh, Carrie and I, I've done some stuff for Monsterverse, and, and Carrie, uh, saw some wilder pages a while back and was interested in it, and, uh, when, when stuff started rolling along and Mark and I started chopping away at the story, uh, the interest came about, and, and, you know, when we talked to Carrie about it, and he, he dug it, and here, here we're moving forward. So, uh, it's gonna, Definitely kick some ass and, and bring some new a uh, new audience to Carrie's universe of Bella Lugosi and and uh, the audience he's built up will definitely get a taste of what it's like to be Wilder. That's real cool. Okay, now I definitely have to ask you guys this. Tell me about the actual preview video that you have on the website. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's all Roy Young and his buddy uh, Tony Noise. Those guys are amazing. They uh basically called Andrew and said, hey, would it be cool if we did a promotional video? And he called me and we said, you know, of course. 
and they went out in their uh, in the woods behind their house, and within a couple of weeks, turned the, turned in this amazing little short vignette, bringing our character Wilder to life, and we were all just blown away. I I could so do they have a, a Panzer tank sitting in their backyard? Yeah, that's kind of a tank. And, uh, it, all yeah. of it, it was, uh, some of it was filmed uh, with some trees and some forest, and a lot of it's green screen. So uh, <laughs> it's total grand house. Uh, you know, Roy and Tony kicking some ass. Uh, Roy does a lot of prosthetics, and, and that's actually Roy playing the part of Wilder. And Tony is the uh, Nazi that gets his ass kicked and his heart tore out. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a real honor for Mark and I to see uh, our baby come to life. And, uh, you know, physically and get to see him uh tear somebody's throat open and rip their heart out you know right and we definitely we have some more surprises coming uh when it comes to the whole visual uh movie uh talk there uh you're definitely going to see uh, some more uh videos of wilder and then some other stuff that we can't talk about right now sure sure well that's cool so so you guys but other than you know what, what you have to present right now with with the one shot you know uh you guys are are working ahead on this and, and you've got a lot planned. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've already laid out like a four issue miniseries <laughs> that, uh, sort of picks up where the one shot left off and, uh, enriches the character through not only current day action, but you also see a lot of flashbacks with Wilder because he, he's a military guy throughout all his, uh, incarnations. So, you know, you could see Wilder in Korea, Vietnam, uh, desert storm, you know, just spanning the ages of warfare. Sure, sure. So, okay, well, why uh, why World War II? Well, actually, this all got started. Andrew contacted me, and he wanted to work together. He said, man, do me a script. You know, write me something. And I, I you know, fought him forever because I'm very lazy. And then finally I said, okay, I'll do something, but it has to be a werewolf story. And he was cool with that. So I just sat down one day, and the name came to me, and I started typing and let the story just take me where it went. Cool. And uh couldn't tell you why exactly World War II, other than I've always been fascinated with that snowy period there during the Battle of the Bulge in the woods, and I thought it would be a good place to kick off a horror story. Why werewolves? Because I love werewolves. We all know the werewolves are way better than zombies or vampires or any of the other uh, genre that people are attracted to. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, there are just a lot fewer werewolf comics out there. Well, okay, all right, but then I got I got to tell you guys. Next, you got to do a mummy story, huh? When's the last time we had a mummy story? <laughs> you know, I have racked my brain for years to try to come <laughs> up with some exciting spin on the whole mummy thing, and I got to tell you, I just don't know that it's out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. That's real cool. Um, okay, uh, anything else you guys are are working on together as a team? Uh, it's pretty much we're putting uh, most of our creative eggs into the Wilder basket. We're going to launch the Sunshot on Halloween, or, you know, the week of Halloween. <laughs> and uh, we're going to see some reader response. If all the planets are, are in alignment, then we'll stretch it out and keep Wilder going. You know, we'd like to see it go forever and ever. But uh, we're going to, you know, have to see what people think of the character. And, you know, if any of the early response from the preview book and just the stuff we post as any indicator i think you'll be seeing wilder stuff for uh probably years to come okay where, well where can i check out a preview book i know you guys uh, secretly had it at a convention 
Yeah, it's pretty much right now. It's a printed book, very limited. Andrew decided to print up a uh, a preview book. You can get it from us at cons, and uh, you know who knows we may digitize uh, a version of it later on down the line. But we want the the first book to actually come out and be absorbed first, and see what the reaction is. Right, right. Okay, I mean, well, I, go ahead. I know Danita and I wanted to do the preview book just to kind of give Mark and I something to kind of tease the fans with, and like Mark said, we printed only 150 copies of this, and uh, we did kind of a gory, uh, hot chick cover, uh, which you won't really see a lot of tits and ass and wilder, so uh, that cover is kind of specific to that preview book, and there's a couple extra goodies in that preview book that uh, people will get a kick out of, uh, and, and and so it's something that's limited, it gives the fans some collectability, as far as getting it, you can get it from Mark and I at shows, uh, or contact PMS privately on social network and uh and kind of hook getting a copy from one of us probably sure sure other than okay so other than that uh are you guys doing prints at shows are you are you doing stuff like that like uh i i know with the 68 stuff mark you guys got shirts and all this other stuff so what are you doing like merchandising wise to, to get the word out there early well i've got yeah, I was just going to say right now, I've got three separate prints. I've got uh, Peace by Andrew, uh, a version of my cover for Wilder, and then uh, the uh, Kyle Hotz cover. I've got prints of those that I take to shows with me. Okay. Well, um, people are going to hear this in July, so you guys keep that in mind. So uh, July forward, where can people see you at a show to uh, check stuff out? All right, cool. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Chicago Wizard World, I'll be there. And then in uh, in September, I'm doing two back-to-back shows in Cincinnati, the Cincy Comic Con and the Cincinnati Comics Expo. And at the end of this month, June, I will be in Louisville at the Derby City Comic Con on the 29th. Okay. Yeah, Mark's more of a con guy than I, kind of. Uh, I got a show in September that I'll be doing down in Laredo, Texas. Uh, and then in October, I'll be doing uh, Dallas Fan Days. Uh, I'm scheduled for that. So I pretty much stick to my Texas grounds here. I kind of chuckled when Mark made a Wilder at Texas. I thought he was uh, doing a little uh, salute to me, but uh, I think <laughs> Mark wants to be a Texan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it's a little uh, home ground advantage for Andrew there. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I was first reading Mark's script, it was funny because I was reading some of the dialogue, and I was like, you know, Mark, we really don't talk like this, and Mark was like, oh, come on, you know, you guys all like to get in fights and start some shit, so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he kind of does go along with it. Um, yeah, when you work on that book, dude, you have to spend a few months in Mark's world, see? Oh, that's yeah. funny. That's funny. That's how Texans talk in Mark's world. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'll get you guys out of here on this. Um, websites... You know, uh, Wilder websites and, and, of course, your personal websites where people can check stuff out. Uh, you guys, if y'all could visit uh, wildercomic.com, uh, you get all the information and, uh, on Wilder and monsterverse.com. Uh, they'll have news on us as well. And uh, you'll also be able to view the Wilder short film and uh, some new clips that we'll have going up, teasing you. Uh, and the book will be in previews in August for an October 30th release. So you get to get your wilder on before you go trick or treating this year. And we are also on Facebook. If you could like the Wilder Facebook page, uh, every hundred likes uh, we give away original artwork and some signed comics from Mark and myself and Roy Young. Uh, so uh, uh, we like to give shit away to our fans that uh, love us, and, and we're grateful for them because without the fans, we don't have uh, an audience. 
Very cool. Very cool. And your personal websites, of course. Mark? Oh, you know mine is just Facebook, dude. I'm so lazy I don't have a personal website. I know. I just wanted you to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> just reiterate. reiterate I, 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 wanted to hear my, I, I wanted to hear Mark say he's lazy, too. Um, <laughs> now, I have uh, AndrewMam.com, and then, uh, like I said, uh, we're on Twitter. Wilder's on Twitter. We're just really pushing Wilder right now. That's our baby, and that's what we want to see. Kick some ass, and uh, you may get to see a, a cool... Uh, Mark and I will have a show pretty soon of Wilder whooping some zombie ass too as my uh, salute to Mark's favorite zombie book (laughs) very cool very cool (laughs) guys thank you so much and uh, you know when you get those links posted anybody listening if you don't catch them on on their Facebook pages and and whatnot, we'll definitely put them up on the Monsters in the Middle page so guys thank you so much look forward to it alright thanks man our first Century Media Spotlight this month comes to us from Butcher Babies off of their new album, Goliath, which comes out July 9th. This is The Death Surround. Yeah! <laughs> 
time for another Dark Horse Discourse with Ob. What's up, Ob? Dan, decapitated Dan. How are you, man? What's happening? Good, good. I'm, t- I'm telling you that people don't know it, but you're like ready. You're like, oh, just get it over with, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> after, uh, after Microsoft uh, pulled that joke out of nowhere, <laughs> I don't think I can, <laughs> I can, I can, uh, I can get this over with any faster than I, I thought I could. So let's 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 do this. Let's talk about July, yeah. the, uh, the the busiest month of comics. For the well, for for some, not for all of us, but for you especially, for you mm-hmm. especially. All right, what do you got for us in July? What's Dark Horse giving us? Well, let's see, y'all have some horror stuff that's happening in July. Uh, hopefully, you know, people have been reading the Abe Sapien ongoing series. Uh, people have been asking for Abe for quite some time. We gave it to them. This ongoing Abe series has been awesome. We're up to number four, hit first week of July, um, which is great. Vignola is killing it. And the series looks awesome, feels awesome, reads awesome. So definitely Abe Sapien. Um, we're launching a new uh, superhero. Uh, well, actually, not a new superhero. If you read Dark Horse in the 90s, may remember uh, Catalyst Comics uh, coming out. Um, and uh, now we are bringing that character back with Joe Casey. Joe Casey's back, which is awesome. And uh, he's, he's doing this book, uh, which is totally trippy. It's a complete... Um, Man, once you open up the book, it's just like psychedelics and craziness. I can't even describe Catalyst Comics to you other than just like the not your average superhero book, but it's so awesome you're going to have to read it anyways. Um, yeah, that's you said, accurate. But you said, you said that about X, and X is just freaking phenomenal. So. Yes! Ah, good, I got it. X is rad, man. I can't get enough of that. Um yeah, Dwayne Swarinski is killing that. Uh, what, what else is is coming down the pipeline? Have you uh, you been able to check out Breath of Bones, the new Steve Nile series? I did. I did check Dude. it out. Dude. Well, the second issue that hits, and I mean, it's a, it's a three-issue series, Breath of Bones, uh, will change the way you think about Steve Nile's comics. I mean, it's just it's beautifully written. I mean, I, I've read Freaks of the Heartline, I've read, you know, obviously, Criminal Macabre extensively in uh, 30 Days of Night, and I mean, Breath of Bones is just fantastic. Um... So highly recommend Breath of Bones. If you're into any sort of crazy, you know, period piece horror, definitely to check out. Or maybe um, you're Jewish and you want something that's going to speak to you. There's not a lot of that in there, comics. There isn't. You know, there isn't. you know, it's, and that's kind of weird. You know, but uh, but <laughs> you think no, you think there would be more, right? You think right. you know, you think they have a little bit more representation, but no, no, I guess not. No? Well, we all live in this fantasy world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Eerie Comics, the anthology number three uh, hits uh, it's second week in July, which is awesome. Uh, Eerie Comics, obviously, great, uh, great anthology. We we try and find new talent every time we release one of these new anthologies, and also bring back some old talent. Um, and I believe this next one um, has, let's see, the. Uh, the, the 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 guy Troy uh, Troy Nixie he directed uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Okay. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. He uh, he's doing a, he's doing a, a piece for us, uh, as well as Jonathan Case who did the Creep. So so they're they're both doing artwork. Um, Paul Chadwick's got a Monster Gallery. I mean Erie Comics. If you've read Creepy and over the years, and, and you have read Erie, you want to check out the ongoing anthology. I mean, next to Dark Horse Presents, I mean, we have the other two best anthologies in uh, in comics. And um, and I can say this because when this this hits at the uh, the end of July, beginning of July, beginning of July, beginning of July. Oh man! All right, I want to save save the big reveal, but uh, there's a big anthology series coming, uh, so you're going to have to stay tuned for uh, for the August podcast to hear what's up. Oh, uh, suckers! Yes, exactly. 
Uh, Killjoys. Killjoys is happening, uh, uh, coming out second issue, uh, second week of July as well. Killjoys is crushing. Uh, uh, I'm not sure on the numbers right now, but I mean, next to Star Wars, uh, the Brian Wood Star Wars that launched earlier this year, I think Killjoys is, is, if not the number one selling title this year, it it very well is close to that, um, which is awesome. The six different variants on this bad boy were just crazy. Are you going to have, are you going to have, for people listening who are going to San Diego, are you going to have a special San Diego cover? There is not a special San Diego cover for Killjoys. However, there is a special San Diego cover for Catalyst and a special cover for, it leads me right into the next week, which is San Diego week. The Strain, the Fall, number one, uh, has an awesome, awesome variant cover on it. And uh, The Strain, the Fall, it's being made into an FX TV show by Guillermo del Toro. You, I mean, you know, we're, we're pushing ahead on this. It's going to be it's gonna be great. Everything Guillermo touches turns to gold. You know, you're going to want to be part of it. You know, forget that freaking Walking Dead stuff. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to want to jump on the train. It's going to be great. Uh, you know, uh, let's see. To Hell You Ride actually wraps up the same week that the strain on Fall num- uh, Number 1 is out. To Hell You Ride Number 5 comes out July 17th. And Lance Henriksen, who has been awesome to work with, uh, is finishing up the series. It's been a weird trippy ride but it's been awesome uh lance henderson obviously a great great uh character actor and awesome writer it turns out so thumbs cool. up there very cool mm-hmm. there's a new series called blood brothers that's coming out uh you know it's a uh it's a fun kind of vegasy style uh how do i how do i kind of uh they're vampire buddies live in vegas and and uh and the apocalypse is coming i mean that they, they've been best friends literally forever and uh <laughs> it's uh it's uh mike Ayerman and andrew waller they're awesome writers they're bringing the series to life and so that'll be out san diego time as well good horror stuff obviously and then um what's the last week the last week's in july there's some fun things on the horizon um I believe that the BPRD Vampire series is also wrapping up. So BPRD, uh, obviously ongoing now with the Hell on Earth series. Vampire is wrapping up what was, uh, we did 1946, 1947, 1948. Vampire is the finale of the uh, the kind of yearly series. Um, with Vamp- uh, BPRD, rather. So that's good stuff, good horror stuff to check out. Oh, but if you haven't been reading Amala's Blade, uh, that's, that's a book to talk about right there. Um Ma's Blade, man. I, you know, came out of left field. We, we kind of, you know, we thought, hey, this book's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting, you know, female-fronted character book, and there's going to be lots of, uh, you know, fun stuff in it. And then out of nowhere, it just took off. Press loves it. We love it. It's, uh, it's a really fun series. So Amala's Blade, definitely want to check out. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. that's actually gonna gonna wrap us up for for July. But give some people uh, who are going to San Diego, you know, an idea on what they can expect from you. San Diego, 10 different uh, major product exclusives, four of which are exclusive Comic-Con covers. So Plants vs. Zombies, the print comic, uh, you're going to want to pick that up, super exclusive. Obviously, The Strain, The Fall, we talked about Catalyst Comics as well, and a Star Wars variant, which is what people are always looking for. So Star Wars number 7, the variant, will be at San Diego only. And uh, outside of that, tons of awesome talent, great panels, uh, you give the show to be at. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> very cool, very cool. All right, what do you got for us this month as in for your song? Uh, for this song, I'm going to play something off the uh, Black Dahlia Ever Black, uh, Black Dahlia Murder Ever Black album that just came out. There we go. Well, I think I'm going to play. God, what's the name of that? Uh, what's the name of that awesome one? It's uh, all of uh, them. That's the problem. Awesome. All of goat, them. Goat of departure. All right. 
Um, as always, thank you, and I hope you survive uh, San Diego. <laughs> We're going to try. Next monster messaging segment with Dave Elliott. Hey, Dave. 
Hey, Dan, how are you, mate? Good. Always good when I get to talk to you. Hey. I'm so excited to talk everything Atomica, but I really, before we get into it, because I know we want to talk um, two other things, how did day one's first month go? Um, it's, it's on, on, the, on first glance, great. I mean, we sold out. Um, I just wish that the initial orders had been higher so that I could go like, really, yay, yay, yay. But, you know, it's that old thing as we, we discussed before we came on air that like, well, yeah, it would have been great if people could have placed a larger order up front. Um, but, you know, many shops sold out like, you know, straight immediately that, you know, on the Wednesday it came out. A uh, few stores that, you know, some of the stores that have always supported me, they, they might still actually have a few copies left. Um, you did like, a signing too, didn't you? No, I, w- I was going to, but unfortunately the my deadline on one of the projects we're about to talk about just s- took over that week. So oh, okay. even though I wanted to actually really get out there and do a promotion on it, um, the uh, deadline was just, you know, we're, we we can we can talk about the approvals on one of the projects in a second, but um, yeah, it kind of like took up uh, a week of my time that I hadn't planned on it taking up. Well, I also happen to know because of the horror comic roundup that I do each week that you got three great reviews on that, so I know good reviews are out there. Oh yeah, no, they it's it has I I haven't I haven't you know it's everyone seems to be in that sort of same sort of four out of five. Um, so I'm I'm down with that. Nice, nice. All right, what do you got first for us this week? What's what's the first project you want to talk about? Well, let's talk about that project that kind of gave took that that week of my life I hadn't planned away. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Tomorrowland. Oh, you wrote a book about Disney World. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't write it. That was it was. It's it's actually funny. It's. Um, uh, in the uh, Tomorrowland is it's the, probably the biggest festival in Europe, a music festival in Europe. Um, it's in Belgium. Uh, over the course of three days, um, something close to two hundred thousand people attend, and it's all kind of electronic music. Um, you know, all the musicians are DJs. Uh, but it's a it's a massive festival. It's huge. It's it's good. It's a really very cool vibe and personality to it. Very very laid back. Never any trouble type of thing. Other than you know occasionally people drinking too much and passing out. But um, but no, it's, it was a, it was a very really cool show. I actually went last year and spent the three days there, and it was um, amazing show. So they they wanted us to do a, a comic book. So we actually got Paul Jenkins to write it for us. Uh, and the art was produced by a uh, Stella lab studios, um, in Indonesia. Okay. And yeah, it's the, the, the concept behind it is that kind of artists and in this particular instance, musicians are kind of like the, um, music, uh, they're magicians of the modern age. Um, you know, these DJs, um, and in this case, um, the main characters in the miniseries are two DJs called, uh, Dimitri Vegas and Light Mike. 
and they're they're huge. I mean, they're international um, stars on the DJ scene. They're producers of other other DJs and other musicians' material, and so they're these modern day musicians. They're, they're kind of like it's like that coming of age story of that you know they're coming into this world and they're going on that kind of Luke Skywalker story as they're just realizing their place in this bigger world and what's going on. And it, the background of the story is really, there's a force of evil that's out there that is trying to destroy all the creativity in the world. It's just, they realize they, they, they want to keep us down as a species. They want to control us um, to, to keep us under check. And the creativity is the, the seed that gives people ideas and through ideas you have revolution and change and that's what they don't want hmm. I like it so it, there's a lot of monsters in it um, and the DJs like, they have to use their magic and the magic is they literally channel the magic from people so by entertaining people with music they're actually absorbing the energy from those people, it's kind of like a positive energy that is channeled from the audience into the DJs, so they can use that power to fight off evil. Kind of like Monsters Inc. Um, where, the, where the scares power. No, I'm well, I'm I guess <laughs> I guess it's a kind of a cross almost between that and the Green Lantern Corps, really. Sure, sure. I mean, it's you know, think of these DJs as the Green Lantern Corps. Um, no, um, okay, now let me ask you this: Will, will any like famous names have like cameos like people who would be at the festival or did you want to try to stay away from that well uh, initially we were starting with the two you know the the story revolves around two of the the big djs dimitri vega and light mike um and then we we start we introduced the the dj steve aoki into the story and and as we got to the big last issue um and it was, it's the big climatic issue and it's the big battle actually at Tomorrowland itself. Um, they started suggesting, well, let's, can we have some cameos from some other DJs? And I was like, okay, as long as they're just cameos, we can put a few DJs in. Um, I think something like about this, there's, there's a double page spread in the last issue with must be like 30 DJs on. Uh -huh. I mean, all like even David Getter's on there, so you know it's all the big um, DJs, and they literally all rally around to to kick the bad guy's ass and and save Tomorrowland. Uh, and we've just actually, even though the first issue um, isn't out yet, we've finished the entire miniseries because. Anybody who actually goes to the festival can actually buy the complete graphic novel exclusively at the festival. Oh, cool. So even though the first issue will have only just come out in the comic shops, the complete graphic novel will actually be available at the, uh, at the festival. That's, um, that's a smart way to do it, too. I like that. Yeah. And then it will also be available um, exclusively for the first time in the U.S., Tomorrow World in Atlanta in September when Tomorrowland launched their first U.S. festival. 
Well, then, now I have to ask: Are you going to be there running a an A one booth selling it? <laughs> um, the the show themselves are actually they're going to be they're literally buying copies to sell themselves there. They they have their own booth there. They sell their own T-shirts, their own merchandise, and so the graphic novels will just be part of that. Which is actually for us, it's even better because it's where everyone buys their merchandise. And at both festivals, we're going to have a lot of DJs doing signings to promote the book. Oh, that's so, cool. That's yeah. real cool. Now, uh, how closely did you did you have to work with the with the festival, did they give you, you know, kind of some some just guidelines to go by, or were you like hand well, no, in hand with well, them the whole way? No, it was um, that was the reason I went to the festival last year. It was I wanted to see the festival, experience it, meet the DJs that were going to be the stars of it, um, talked over what they were comfortable with. I mean, it turns out they're big comic fans anyway. I mean, you know, uh, they they're huge fans like. It was when we when I got Paul Jenkins to write it, they were they were like over the moon. They love his like um, uh, darkness and Witchblade and mm-hmm. Spider Man. Huge fans of his, so um, that was that was really useful. But it, it actually enabled me to come up with something on the spot. So that weekend I was there, we met with the DJ several times, and as I would get ideas, I was going like, okay, how about this? How about this is the world? This is it? And they were like. Yeah, yeah, we like that. And can we do this? Okay. So once I got to know the sort of things they wanted to be seen doing, and one of some of the things they like, just purely as kind of comic fanboys, they wanted to be seen to be, to do. Um, I kind of developed a story around that, and then um, gave that to Paul to to flesh out, make his own, add all the details. Right. Right. Well, I hate to tell you this, but we're out of time. Yeah, I was just going to say, we should just actually have said the So we'll, we'll make them all wait for, for the other thing. Yeah, but... we can cover the other one. We, we can cover it next month. That's um, but I, I do have one more question for you about about this, this concept of, of a music festival. Now, Europe has huge music festivals. We all know that. And one of the biggest metal festivals is Wacken. So right. go talk to them. <laughs> oh yeah i mean look i did it's it's funny i did something very similar with the band fallout boy and um, mm-hmm. i did uh, this comic called fallout toy works which we published through yeah, I remember that i remember that. yeah yeah um because i the, the thing i love about projects like this is that it's not just doing another take on spider-man or batman again it's going out to a completely different audience that mostly doesn't read comics or maybe just read, you know, reads a, you know, the odd comic here and there. So it's, it's kind of trying to find new people to read comics. Right. Right. Well, that's really cool. Really cool. All right. You actually, there is something you can actually tease the other project we were going to talk about because it's, people can see it on one of the links that you're going to tell us about anyways. <laughs> if you, if you, Go to my DeviantArt page. You can see a nice preview of Monster Massacre. Nice. Volume one. We're already working on volumes two and three. Um, I was thinking that it was going to be an annual, but it looks like it's going to be like every eight months or so. And so, um, yeah, it's the uh, the initial orders have come in pretty healthy and strong on it. So, and and also for the bookstore trade too. So I think, um, yeah, I think we're going to push that and maybe sort of try and do. Um, maybe two a year, even get to two a year with it. 
Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right, well, let's get you out of here. Uh, as always, where can you tell us where, where can we can go to uh, check out everything you do? Um, Dave Elliott, that's D E V E L L I O T at deviantart.com. Um, or check us out on uh, uh, Atomica Press at Facebook. Very cool. Very or cool. Titan Comics. Is that all of them? Yeah, well, you can get me at DW on Twitter. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. We share the links. I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Dave, as always, uh, thank you for, for being a part of the show. And uh, we can't wait to talk to you next month about Monsters Ma- Monster Massacre. Brilliant. Thanks, Dan. Off of their album, Revenance, this is Conducting from the Graves, Unholiest of Nightmares. <laughs>
So welcome everybody to our second interview this month on Monsters and Metal. What joining me this time is Steph Dumay. What's going on, buddy? Uh, well, I'm pretty busy working on my new books. Full-time job. I got a little family to take care of. <laughs> I'm always busy. A little family? Does that mean a baby? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly worded, too, by the way. <laughs> Um, no, I mean you—you've been at this. Now you've been at this for a while. I mean, we all know Zombie Commandos from Ellen. If we don't know it, then we're stupid because we know that you've been doing it for a while, right? Indeed, I've been doing it for—it's uh, been twelve years now, I think. Wow, wow! I did not realize it was that long. Actually, okay. in two thousand. Yep. All right. Well, you, you know, let's just start there. Let's kind of give us an idea. What is it? If we, if we don't know about it, what is it? Uh, well, I can I can start even further than that because I had a zine back in high school uh, called Reason of Comics, and I that was kind of left a testbed for future projects. And I was already getting interested in zombies, even though there wasn't this big craze that we have right now. Right. And in two thousand, and in two thousand, I got in Barnes, which I guess most people know for uh, Tales of Uranus and uh, Fucketer. Really gory uh, yeah. zine. So I got in touch with him. We we liked each other's works, and we collaborated. We created together Zombie Commandos. And uh, we did an online comic at first, but then he, uh, I, I guess he lost interest in it, so he just went his way to do his other stuff. But people enjoyed it, so I kept it going. Right, right. Okay, so okay, so you, you took it over as, as your own. What What did you do from there? Uh, well, I, it was, it's mostly me because we were, it started out as a, it was, it was kind of weird at first because it was a like total comics jam style. Uh, we didn't know what to expect when we were like doing pages, like each our turn. Uh, so when I took over, I fleshed out the story, made it, made a proper story for it. And the more, uh, the further it went, the more detail I got in, into it and, uh, I developed the characters further. Well, uh, kind of give us a, give us an idea. What's what's the story about? Uh, the story is basically uh, well, it, it, it's a post apocalyptic story. It takes place in a, in a two twenty one forty three A D, and by then the world has already gone to hell. There's like war everywhere, uh, pollution, uh, disease. Uh, all the nations have broken down, so it's city states. And between the city states, these are walled cities. Uh, you have the bikers who roam the wasteland, cannibal bikers, and um, that's that's just before the the whole zombie thing happens. And uh, you you have Mother Nature, who sees all of this, and she's sick of humans, but she can only create life. She can't kill, so she can't destroy us. So she makes a deal with the devil, and she tells the devil, "I give you access to to the material world uh, through the human dead." And in exchange, I want you to exterminate all humans. So that's, so that's not the nice. Basic premise. That's <laughs> not nice. I feel bad now. I feel bad for all of it. Oh, let me ask you uh, this, uh, because you know what, something that had had come out before this was like World War, uh, uh, zombie war. That's what it was. It was zombie wars. Um, yeah. Did did any of that kind of play into it, or or was you know were were you like did you check that out afterwards, or do you even know about that? Yeah, that that kind of sucks. I, when the whole zombie thing started, I think it really started with uh, 28 Days Later. I think that's about the time that there was a big revival of, like, a big a new interest in zombies. 
And uh, when that happened, I just, my comic was was already published. So I thought, hey, I'm going to, this is going to work for me. People are getting more interested in zombies. But then there's so many zombie comics and books and movies and video games that then I was worried I'd just be buried underneath all of it. But I managed to make it distinct. And my main influences aren't uh, like the recent stuff. I would say uh, the Fallout game, mm -hmm. like the original Fallout. Yeah, I, I loved it. I'm really into post-apocalyptic stuff. And um, Warhammer, I had the big like Eternal War thing, like War, uh, Warhammer 40,000. Sure, sure. Yeah, so that, that was an influence. Uh, but I, I toned it down. I didn't make it like intergalactic or anything. I wanted to keep it uh, like sort of local. Right, right. So would you say that it kind of plays along the lines of maybe something like uh, you'd rather like you'd you'd see in heavy metal or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Like th this huge futuristic like apocalyptic thing that yeah, that plays yeah. out. Yep. yep. Definitely. Oh, and I forgot to mention Dead World. Oh, my all-time favorite comic series. We all have to talk about Dead World. <laughs> <laughs> I've we, been bugging uh, Gary Groth for years to do something for him, and he, I didn't manage to get anything yet. Oh, we'll yeah. talk. We'll talk after we're, we're done recording. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that's that's really cool. Um, so, okay, so you know, twelve years in, where, where does the series go from here? Well, the story, uh, like. Four-ish, like at the fourth issue, I thought I was going to wrap it up, but people kept asking for more. I was like, "Well, cool, I'm I'm gonna keep at it then." So when the fifth issue came out, uh, Fright World Studios offered to publish it, and he uh, encouraged me to like really get into details, like develop the characters more. So that's what I did. I I took it in a different direction, and um, I made it more. I'm well. The aim is to be more epic. And there's a there's like a geographical uh, route. It starts off in Detroit, and then it moves across Canada, uh, and it ends up in Quebec City, like one of the oldest cities in North America. Okay. So you have that's where the big showdown will happen. So at this point, you're, you're six issues in. Is it... Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. And you six did have. Issues in. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I'm I I have most of issue seven done already, but I already started issue eight and I started the Rise of the Blood Queen as well. So I have to uh, I have to discipline myself to finish one book. <laughs> well, uh, let's kind of clarify what what all are you doing on the book? You're doing story and art, correct? Exactly, yeah, and it's... I ask get guest artists to uh, to do their own take on my characters. Okay. Okay, and that would be where your crossover with Psycho Hunter came in, maybe? Yeah, I uh, I got in touch way back when I was... Uh, well, I have to put you back in context. Uh, in my first four issues were distributed through Diamond, and I got that deal thanks to Barnyard Press. <laughs> and then, then some shit happened, which I don't need to go into, but that's where I met Joe Gomez from Psycho Hunter, and we kept in touch all these years. Okay. And... Uh, and when he started Virus Comics, then he got like really, uh, he, he was really motivated and he convinced me to do a crossover. I was only happy to do it. Okay, very cool. No, that, that's real yeah. cool. I mean, and I, you know what? I, I, all I can say is that it's really cool that like this, it, it's it's one of those things that's like a labor of love because you're still doing what you want to do and you're still doing it after 12 years. I mean, that, that just shows that you care about what you're doing. Oh, for sure. And I'm only getting better at it. I look at my first issues, I'm like, ah. 
I drew like crap, but the more I draw, <laughs> the better I get at it. So I, it only motivates me further. Have you have you sensed because of what you said? You know, have have you sensed like decided to redo those issues and and redistribute them? I really considered it like redrawing them. I might do it. Um, one thing's for sure: I'm going to do a trade paperback at some point when the whole story's finished. Mm-hmm. And, and I have ambitions of translating it in uh, French and Spanish. <laughs> well, I'm kind of surprised you didn't do it in French first. Oh, I can tell you about that. Uh, <laughs> the scene, the scene here in Quebec, uh, like the comic scene, uh, there there is one, but they're more into humor, like cartoony stuff. Okay. Mine, it's my stuff is cartoony, but <laughs> a lot bloodier. And I found more, uh, there's more people into my stuff in the States and uh, even further south in uh, South America. Sure, sure. Um, okay. And uh, Europe, even. Well, there is one other project that I, I know we want to get in here in our, in our 10-minute chat. So uh, tell, me about, tell me about Bloody Gore Comics. Well, Bloody Gore Comics, is uh, it, it was an idea I had about, um, I, I, well, it starts off with the uh, print-on-demand services. I, I found out that I could print my own books for not to... Uh, I didn't need to spend so much money like I used to doing huge print runs and like uh, it was it was a lot of work and then getting Destro and everything. And uh, I realized I could start my own publishing uh, company like this. I could just uh, do my own books, put my own label, distribute it through, uh, online. And uh, I didn't want to keep it just myself. I, I, I wanted to like, hype it up and get more artists involved. And my first project for that is Rise of the Blood Queen, which is like an origin book for one of the Zombie Commandos characters. And that book has a few collaborators that I've worked with in the past and new ones. And I'm trying to get them to, uh, well, to get their books on the website because Bloody Gore Comics is also uh, a promotion website where I want want people to uh, post their books and sell them through it. And that is where our mutual friend Mark Mark Allen for Fright Feast comics would come in, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he uh, he's really enthusiastic. He I love his uh, his energy. Uh, he's like a, he's putting the pressure on me because I'm not done with the website. It's like when is it coming? Is it ready? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm trying, man. <laughs> That's right, Mark. Shut up. <laughs> he listens to the show. So trust me. To the book. <laughs> What's that? I said he was, he's into this show, so we can easily just tell him to shut up. He'll, he'll nah, hear. nah. He'll I'll tell him to shut up once he's done his work. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Even better. Um, okay, well, let's finish it up. Any shows uh, for the, that you're going to be at for the rest of uh, 2013? Uh, well, def- I'll definitely... Well, it's mostly local free, uh, but I'm going to expand. I want to go into the States later on, but... For sure, I'm doing the Montreal Comic Con. That that's a really great event for me. It works really well. Then there's an event called Exposine in November, which is a small press event. It's the biggest one in uh, Montreal. And uh, I'm considering doing one in Toronto. And of course, I have ambitions to do uh, like the big one in Maryland at some point. Okay. Okay. SPX, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But for for uh, for this year, it's going to be Montreal Comic Con and Exposé in Montreal. Very cool, very cool. So, where can uh, people go online to check out everything that you do? Uh, well, there's zombiecommandos.com where there's uh, I, I I need to uh, 
I still need to update the site to put more stuff, but you can get a, a glimpse at the books there, TommyCommandos.com. Uh, RaisinLove.com, that's my personal site. It, it used to be, the name comes from my zine, so it just stuck with me. And uh, that's where I post uh, links to, uh, to like galleries like Flickr and such. Because I do a lot of flyers for shows and, uh, and T-shirts and album covers, so I put a lot of that stuff there. Very cool. Very cool. Can we find you on Facebook or Twitter? I'm sorry? Can we find you on Facebook or Twitter? Uh, yeah, on Facebook. That's, uh, just look up my name. I have a page for Bloody Gore Comics as well. Uh, Twitter, I've, I don't, I should, uh, <laughs> I should get back into that. I don't post enough on that. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Very cool, very cool, Steph. Definitely, uh, thank you so much for for taking the time. I you, I think that like when people can hear you, you actually speak about the love and everything that you've put into all this. I mean that that kind of just speaks volumes to to honestly how good it is. I, I've been able to read some of it, and and I love every single minute of it. I mean it's it's just fantastic, and for you to take the time thank to you. do this, dude. Seriously, thank you. And, and don't stop. Just just keep doing what you do. Oh, for sure, man. I love this. <laughs> Our second Century Media Spotlight comes to us from Monsters Scare You with their new album, Die a Legend, coming out on July 9th. This is Smiling's My Favorite. Share the line, line with me Don't take 
Greetings, this is Andrew Kudelka, one half of Lunatic's Fringe. I will be flying solo today, reviewing ABCs of Death. I'll do my best to make it exciting as possible. Uh, the movie just became available on Netflix, so I just recently saw it. And gotta say, it's a pretty interesting film. Same mix of uh, gore, violence, porn, and sex. 26 directors from 15 countries. Each director was given roughly five grand in a budget and free reign to create a short film depicting a way to die based on a word of their choosing that starts with the assigned letter. Total creative control, and needless to say, it ended up getting an NC-17. A lot of the segments have that one-two punch at the end that kind of was made famous by, I think, Oscar Wilde and then later by Twilight Zone. Um, it's a lot of cutting-edge talent uh, in this movie. Uh, up-and-coming stars around the horror scene, sci-fi scene from all kinds of areas around the world from, you know, Serbia to China to Japan to American pioneers, basically the way I see it at this point. I mean, a lot of these guys are experimental. Um, not every segment is gold. Some seemingly weak cop-outs, in my opinion. But several segments, I think, will resonate with viewers. They're pretty powerful stuff, very heady. A uh, nice little punch at the end on some of these. Um, it's interesting because I don't want to give too much away, but a lot of this stuff really focused on fetishistic taboo topics. You see a lot of th similar themes. I'm wondering if a lot of this stuff is just in our collective unconscious because you see animals, bowel movements, even eyeballs just jetting out of the head, either comically or seriously. But for some reason, they keep reappearing in some of these different segments. All of them do seem to maintain the gore, though. Uh, they all focus on death, obviously, so you're going to see some gore. But a lot of people really took it pretty far, which for a lot of people who are into gore in movies, they're not going to find this too offensive. A lot of people who aren't used to this type of stuff are going to find it probably squeamish and disturbing. Um, the thing of it is, overall, it's an interesting experiment. I really got to give it to the producers for putting this together um one of them is tim league he's famous for the alamo draft house uh it's a chain of movie cinemas that have grown since their inception in 97 in austin texas and they're really really famous for a strict policy requiring audiences to maintain proper cinema going etiquette and they're also notorious for making movie going very immersive um one of the stories i heard was when they had jaws they premiered it with people watching it from the water with the screen in the on the beach. Um, they're also notorious for kicking people out for just even looking at a cell phone and answering a text, regardless, irregardless if they've paid if you've paid or not, they're going to kick you out. But I like the fact that they're putting things like this together. They're re reinvigorating old movies. They're putting out their own line of movies. One of them that comes to mind right now is The Visitor, an old movie with John Huston. That's supposed to be very existential uh, and sort of a hidden gem. They really bring back a lot of those movies. But getting back to this movie, they incorporated live action, animation, claymation. It's a lot of different uh, a lot of different experimental artistic range going on here. Um, the directors, I find them a lot of these guys very interesting. I don't know if many of you have ever heard of some of these movies that some of these directors have done, but one in particular is resonated with me is the director of Time Crimes. Um, Nacho Vigalondo and he starts off uh, the series uh, for A 
for I don't want to give away what the title is, but he's one of the one of the guys that I find very admirable. Uh, another guy I found really interesting, Ernesto Diaz Espinosa. He directed Mirage Man, Kiltro, uh, You Die, Yamaguchi. He directed Versus. He does one segment. Javier Jens. He directed The Divide, Frontier, Hitman, um, Yoshihiro Nishimura. He's considered the Tom Savini of Japan. Another great director. Uh, I think he did a movie called Tokyo Gore Police. He did a segment. Um, Ty West, another guy, uh, did House of the Devil, Innkeepers, um, and worked on VHS, which is a similar in scope anthology like ABCs of Death and roughly came out at the same time. Um, several creators, other creators from VHS also make a mark here as well. And interestingly enough, there's a couple comic artists that are directors now that made their mark in this movie. Anders uh, Morgenthaler, who does a Danish comic book, Wumo, and Care Andrews, who's a very famous uh, Marvel illustrator. He's done a series called Spider-Man Reign, a limited series that was interesting. Um, again, some of these segments will be hit or miss for people. D is for Dogfight was one of my favorites. H, I didn't want to give away the, the, the word, but H was an interesting one. L, S, and V, those are my top interesting segments. Um, but I highly recommend people who are horror fans to check this out. Uh, you might, if you're just general moviegoer, you might not get into this, but if you love horror, You'll definitely want to check this out and just see what kind of stuff people are experimenting with. Um, I fell asleep in the middle of the movie because I watched it late at night. Uh, as I do most horror movies, I feel like immersed by by the nightlife here. Um, but in the movie, when I fell asleep, I actually dreamt something uh, that fit into the genre somehow. I dreamt I was a German dilettante during the turn of the century, learning methods of torture from a Japanese torture scholar. And it really disturbed me, but it was one of the dreams that kind of fit in. Uh, maybe it was another life, but I could almost visualize the Japanese terms for four distinct categories of how to properly mutilate someone in the most prolonged and vile manner. And I don't want to really think about it again, but it was pretty rough uh, dream. But getting back to the movie, um, I feel that the ABCs of death, intentional or not, is an attempt to cathartically, experimentally explore man's relationship with death it's a very neglected topic in education and people don't really like thinking about it too much especially when you're younger and you have your whole life ahead of you uh, allegedly um, as disturbing as the images were crossing borders from disgusting to distasteful and everything in between um, many seemed immaculately juvenile for some reason to me and as a society, we still lack a mature relationship with our ultimate fate, and I would think ultimate fear for most people. But we're still learning, or relearning. Um, and I think that these visions end up uh, comedic as sort of a, a survival mechanism, a psychological survival mechanism. Sort of the way frontline police end up uh, using extremely dark humor to deal with the insanity they see daily. Um, there's a sequel that's up, uh, up ahead in the next in the near future uh, i think they plan for having a sequel to abc's of death part two sometime in 2014 uh the interesting thing about that one is they're going to have animator bill plimpton involved and it, he's very interesting animator for those who might know his work uh they also have the writer director of splice uh vicenzo natali and sion sono director of suicide club and even the soska sisters really up-and-coming talent with uh, they're the writers directors of a movie called American Mary um, so that's something to look forward to I think this like VHS and VHS 2 um, has a potential to really go somewhere with their experimental 
ex- exploration of death and, and its meaning and artistic, uh, stylistic views of it. Um, but it's worth checking out. For you horror fans out there, give it, a, give it a try. If you don't like it, you know, zoom into maybe another letter and see if it works for you. And just They're not very long. Each segment's maybe about roughly five to ten minutes, if not less. Um, the video coming up, or I'm sorry, the it's on video. It's You can get it on video. You can get it on Netflix if you're interested. Um, we're going to zoom out of this segment right now and go into a song uh, that I kind of think fits the whole death theme. Uh, it's from the Devon Townsend Project. It's called Jular. It's from the concept album Deconstruction, which focused around a man who was obsessed with finding the true nature of reality as he sort of travels through his own hell. And according to Devin Garrett Townsend himself, uh, it started as jugular until he messed up the spelling and decided it would be a good name for a fictional religious fanatic who spends his life in penance. Not due to appreciation of the infinite, but more based on the need to be right. So I think uh, his exploration of death and uh, the ABCs of death kind of tie in together nicely. So without further ado, let's get into the Devon Townsend Project and a song called Jular. Take care.
We are back with I Hate Everything You Love with Doug Pascavich. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good. 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 How's your podcast doing? Uh, oh, is it on hiatus still? No, I, no, I finally started it up again, but, you know, I haven't done it for six months, so they're not exactly barnstormers yet. Is that because <laughs> is that because we had stopped talking about um, kids getting killed in school? Yeah, well, it's just because I haven't done them in a long time, you know. You're not. I'm not talking to anybody on my podcast. I'm just it's just myself. So you got to get used to talking to yourself for half an hour. Right, right. So, the other, so, the this, other... so this is coming out July first. By July first, they'll probably be good again. Oh, okay, good, good. All right, uh, this month we have a question from. Oh, I, wait, I'm not supposed to say that. Am I? I don't remember. We had decided I was going to say it or I wasn't going to say it, but I'll say it anyways. Uh, Ted Ted Shuckle, he has given us this question. This question. What's Doug, his name? Ted Shuckle. Shuckle, okay. Shuckle. Ted Shuckle. Shuckle. He sounds like, he sounds like a, a silent movie star, doesn't he? Ted Shuckle. I, I don't know. All I know about Ted is that he's really into metal and really into comics. So. Well, good for you, Ted. <laughs> it fits Sorry for this. Sorry about the last name. <laughs> I, sympath- I sympathize. <laughs> All right. Uh, last time, last month it was it was last month. You were uh, we were doing the uh, big rundown on on the love troubles, and um, you had brought up about a guy at the gym who you wouldn't think was into women, but he sure was. So Ted's asking. Have you ever thought about doing a comic book about the guy at the gym? He sounds like a very entertaining fellow. Yeah, this would be the the retarded guy at the gym who seems, you know, happy-go-lucky until you're in the locker room and you find out that this, this you know, double chromosomes and all, 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 his, all his chromosomes, even the double ones, are just thinking about getting laid. <laughs> all the time. It's always on the mind of both exes for this cat. So, this is an interesting question for a couple reasons. One, it kind of gives you some insight as far as being a writer or being an entertainer, you know, whatever you want to call what I do. What you have to keep in mind is uh, not everybody knows, not everybody follows you around through life all day long. So you can't really, like some, if you do a joke about a relative, you have to do a whole big setup on what the relative is like. You have to make the relative relatable in some way. You know, you have to strip them down so he's the typical weird uncle. You know, you can't just start talking about Uncle Jim because even though it's funny to you and everybody knows Uncle Jim, it's not funny to anybody else. You know? Right. You know what I mean? So, for that reason, no, I, I haven't thought of doing a book about the retired guy at the gym because it's really only funny to me and the guys at the gym who know him. So, and also, because he's a retired guy, he's a sympathetic figure. So it would be very hard to pull off making fun of a retarded guy for 100 pages without just looking like an ass. <laughs> it's, a, it's a select group of people who are going to look at that and have themselves a big really laugh, and the other 98% are going to go, what, this dick, just really? This dickhead just drew a whole book about a retarded guy, just making fun of him. Then and you that. enter Hart Fisher territory. Who? Hart Fisher. When he was remember remember uh, in the nineties when Hart Fisher got attacked for for do, doing those um, oh my god the dude who ate people in out of Wisconsin Mr. Dahmer yeah the Dahmer books remember when he did that mm, vaguely oh okay 
Well, he, he came under all that scrutiny, so it, it's something you could expect, probably. Yeah, well, I think I think you could get more mileage doing Jeffrey Dahmer because he's at least, you know, he ate people. You know, he's not sympathetic. Well, sure, sure. You'd have, you'd have some people angry because you, they think you're making fun of the victims, but you'd have a larger majority who, you know, realize you're making fun of a serial killer, and those people are already into that, so. <laughs> but, there, you know, there's, like, I live maybe two miles, no, not even, maybe a mile, mile and a half away from a, a school for retarded people. Like, and... I don't know, middle school, high school age retarded people. So, I mean, the city is rotten with them. It's almost like a zombie movie here, except with retarded people. Oh, my God. You just show, you know, you'll go out in the morning and there'll just be one, uh, and maybe just packs of them, like wandering around down the street. Uh, so, first off, they're skipping school, you know. <laughs> they're supposed to be learning whatever they're teaching them at the school for, you know, special people. You know. Sure. You know, some people don't. Reti- I, I don't know when <laughs> retarded became a bad term, like politically incorrect term. They're mentally retarded. That's what they are, right? Aren't sure. They? Right. Right. But yeah. now you have to say handicapped. Challenge. Yeah, but they're not handicapped. They're, they have mental retardation. And, and you know, they, they call themselves, call each other retards. You know, it's like black people. You know, hey, what's up, Matard? <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, where Matard's at? <laughs> <laughs> They don't do that, but they should. Wait, here, no, here you go, just just to prove it. Here is the actual definition. Slow or limited in an intellectual or emotional uh, development or academic progress. Wow, that, that, defi- everybody, that defines almost everyone I know. <laughs> they didn't pack an actual disease on there? You just have to be mentally slow or challenged? Yes, wow. it just says, just says slow or limited. Yep. Well, I can see now why people are offended by the term retard because it probably applies to them. It's just, you know, it's rubbing them the wrong way. Hey, hold on a second. Now you're making fun of me. Hold on. But here's the thing I want to say. I'm, you know, everybody says, oh, treat them like everybody else, treat them like everybody else, until you treat them like everybody else, then you're a bad guy. You know, I, I am treating them like everybody else. So, you know, some guy was irritating me in line and he wasn't retarded, I'd be bitching about him. Now, just because the guy in front of me who can't work the keypad is retarded, I'm a bad guy for saying, hey, move your ass. <laughs> you know, you can't figure out the keypad. Get the hell out of the way. Who gives a retarded guy a debit card anyhow? That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Like, who's a sick bastard who gives a, gives a retarded person a debit card knowing full well the entire world is run by these, these touchpads? And we know they have a problem with, I'm not being a, you know, a smartass here. They've got a problem with manual dexterity. Why well, give them an implement they can only use by touching a keypad? Some of us can't even work. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, my point is, they shouldn't be off limits. Because like the guy at the gym, sure, he's got some problems and he's slow. He's, you know, he's got you know, a 60 or 70 IQ, you know, honestly. But he's still a person. And there's people with 60 or 70 IQs that are good people and people with 60 or 70 IQs that are assholes. So why should I give them a break? Why do they get a break? Why do we automatically assume they're okay? Some, you know, some retired guy could be just as big an a-hole as anyone else. Why do we automatically look at them and go, oh, he must be all right, and anytime, anything they do, we go, well, that's because of this, or well, that's because of that. You're not trying to be a jag. Hey, I live next to them. They're trying to be jags, some of them. 
know what I mean? Some of the other walk down. There's, like, there's one, there's like a heavy metal one that lives by me. And he wears Metallica shirts all the time, and he has the headphones on full blast. And he's in the library, like, saying the lyrics to Master of Puppets, you know, at, like, full volume. Mm-hmm. In the library. Mentally retarded or not, it's much you see it and much you go at some point. He sees that no one else in the library has headphones on screaming Metallica lyrics. He, you know, he's, he's doing it to be a jag or to say, hey, look at me or whatever, see how far he can push the limits. Right, right. So if I, say, I go over and tell the guy to shut up, everybody acts like I'm a jerk. It's a library. <laughs> you don't have to be Einstein to know that, notice that no one else is shouting. He knows what he's doing. And, and anyhow... Well, so Glenn is a good idea to have somebody with a 70 IQ listening to heavy metal music as loud as he can, getting all pumped up. That's not, that's not a good that's not a good scenario for anybody. That's a that's really. a daily occurrence for me. <laughs> that's how yeah, I. St- other people shouldn't get away with it. Uh, old people, you should be able to make fun of them and treat them like crap whenever you want if they're in the way. And I'm sorry, you know, the greatest generation is gone. Right? There's, there's only like 50 of them left. So I don't want to hear about the greatest generation now. I should be nice to this guy because he was on the storm of the beach in Normandy. I doubt it. You know, just based on how he's acting now, if he was on in Normandy Beach, he was like the last guy out of the boat and he was, you know, he was futzing with his canteen or he was jacking around with this or that. Just just like he's doing now at the keypad at the grocery store. He's the one guy who he's the one guy who tripped. He's the one guy who tripped out of the boat, yeah. hit his head on the corner, and knocked himself out. Right. Well, I don't even give him that much credit. He was probably the guy who was walking so slow that he got a bunch of other people killed. You know, he gets out of the boat. Goes, oh wait, is my cantina is, is my canteen uh, hooked up properly? And as he as he stops and you know in mid stride and you know in uh, knee deep water to check his canteen, everybody else gets mowed down by the Nazis. That's the guy in front of you in line now. Not, not the guy who was charging through you know, the foxhole, zapping Nazis with his, uh, with his uh, Tommy gun. Those guys are all gone. Those guys either got killed on the beach or died from a heart attack, you know, years, years later. Because that's what happens to, you know, heroes. They, they, don't, they don't live forever. Even if they don't get killed, they're, they're, they're high-strung, they're ambitious. You know, they, they have heart attacks, they die from stress. They don't live to be 80, 90 years old. I won't. So the old people we got now, they, you know, they should all be treated like, you know, the in the way a-holes that they are. Same thing with retarded people, and frankly, ugly people, too. Get way too much sympathy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just, I'm getting the impression you're not on board with me this week, Dan. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I am, maybe here's, I'm not. Here's the, here's the thing. Like... You hear that they got a nice personality, or, oh, they're so nice, or blah, blah, blah. You don't really know. They're being nice because they have no choice because they're ugly. Oh. <laughs> like, uh, somebody who's attractive, they can be a dick out loud because they know they're attractive and people will still, be want, to, still want to be around them. Of course. An ugly person doesn't have that option, and they know that. So they're not really nice. They're just acting nice, you know, for you know, self-preservation and just to have some companionship. But they can be as big an asshole as anybody. Passive aggressive stabbing in the back in the back. I don't trust anybody who's nice who's ugly. Because they're just being nice because they're not attractive. They have no choice. That's a good spot to to, to tell you your time's up. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself in enough trouble? No. 
I doubt it. This week. I the doubt handicapped, it. The elderly and the ugly should all be treated poorly until uh, they give you evidence otherwise. They should be treated like assholes unless they give you evidence that they're not. Just like everyone else. Treat everybody the same. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and if you want to hear Doug ramble more, you can listen to his podcast. Uh, sure. Sure. No, you don't have to, though. Uh, yeah. But you should. Hatestrangersvoice.com if you want to hear me say worse things than this. <laughs> That's where you keep it PG for this show. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 show, yeah the, the show I'm recording this week is about uh, two teenage boys who murdered their grandmother with a hammer and a hatchet. True story? True story. It's in the news. Hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, Wisconsin. Welcome to Wisconsin. Welcome to Wisconsin. That's what happens when you eat cheese all day. Yeah. Cheese and sausage. Cheese and sausage. Yeah, there's something about, you know, I don't know if it's the polarity of the earth or what's in the soil here or whatever. That's where we get. We get serial killers, lunatics, all that. This is in the news. And this this happens here so often, Dan. You didn't even know about it. You only live like 90 miles away. True. Very true. It's such a common occurrence. This is on like page... You know, page four. Oh, 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 somebody murdered somebody with an axe. Eh, page four. So that's only because they only got, that's because they only got one person. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) You only killed one? Well, she was a grandma, so I guess it's sort of news. She was close. She was already close. Whatever. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, hey, it's 2013. If you're not going to, you know, you're not going to whack a whole preschool, we're not giving you page one. You gotta exactly. dial it up. I mean, uh, using a hatchet that's quaint and all that, you know, it gives it a little bit of sexy, but you, know, you only kill one person, so. Son of a bitch. Try that in Idaho or Nebraska, maybe you'll get some news. This is Wisconsin. <laughs> dial it up. All right, all right, let's wrap it up. Uh, as always, if you have a question uh, that you want Doug to uh, answer, like we just did for Ted, go to monstersandmetal.com, click on the contact, and send it to us there, or you can post it on the Monsters and Metal Facebook page. If you are chosen, we're we're going to send you something good, whether it's from Doug or whether it's from me. We will send you something good, so Ted, you have something coming your way. And Doug, as always, uh, where can people find out uh, more about you and everything that you do? Uh, go to arseniclullabies.com And you can find them on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, just find me on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where the whole world is. Just go there and you can get daily updates on how miserable my life is. It Hey, it works. Trust me. Trust me. You'd think you'd think you'd think at some point that it wouldn't be funny how miserable he is, but it's funny. Yeah, if you you don't believe in karma, you know, you think some people never get their comeuppance. I'm evidence that there is karma. I make money drawing horrible comic books, you know, about Nazis and uh, aborted fetuses, and I get it every day. Every day I get my comeuppance. (laughs) Well, Doug, as always, thanks for for doing it this month, and we'll talk to you next month. Sounds good. Along with remembering to uh, send Doug a question, also remember that you can request the song that plays after Doug's segment. So as long as it's metal, I mean, if you if you send in something country, I ain't playing it. But as long as it's metal, you know, we're going to play it here on the show. So go to the website or uh, post it on the Facebook page what song you want to hear, and we might just choose it. This month we chose Billy Dunleavy's song, and he chose Metallica, Welcome Home Sanitarium. 
to our third interview uh, this month on Monsters and Metal. With me uh, for this interview is Doug Randazzo. What's going on, Doug? Hey, Dan. What's going on? Thanks for having me, man. Hey. Monsters and Metal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that and use it as a sound clip. 
<laughs> when, we're da- when we're done, you'll have to be like, this is Doug from the bird, and <laughs> you're listening to Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, uh, I'm really happy to have you on because you're one of these one of these awesome guys who uh, actually crosses both genres of what we're trying to do here on, on the show, and you do comics, and you do music, and, and that's something that we absolutely love. So uh, let's first mm-hmm. talk about the comics side of things. Excellent. You have this amazing dark anthology that you have got to tell everybody about. All right, it's it's uh, definitely across you know between the you know the seventies, the fifties, and the seventies. Uh, I'm trying to go for this feel for it. Um, you know, I grew up heavily, heavily into horror comics. Actually, I'm very much still in, into these old anthologies, old horror comics, anything from the fifties till now. You know, um, trying to just bring it back. You know. Um, um, black and white, you know, eerie feel, um, raw art, you know, um, you know, some bad, some really good, you know, and vice versa. You know, I try to just mix it up, just throw it all in there. So um, there's just a little, a little something for everybody in it. You know, if you're into the old school horror comics, you know, the eerie, you're gonna love it. You know, if you're into the new, the new, the newer things coming out, you know, um, um, you're gonna, you're gonna find something for you, for you in there too. You know, sure. Um, sure. Um, um, issue one was pretty much, um, you know, I got it done quick. Um, it took a while to get it all done, but as far as putting it all together, it was really put together quickly, you know, just to get it out by Halloween for the, for the, for the diehards that really wanted it, you know. Um, this next issue, it's just going to be a, a one-up, you know, next-gen, you know, same feel, but, you know, I got, I got a new feel, a new logo, a new flow. You know, but it's it's got that same vibe to it. You know, totally, uh, you know, uh, totally underground. You know, and um, you know, something that's um, you know not quite right for for TV, but perfect for uh, you know the underground um, fanboy that's like just dying for this stuff. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So who who all uh, who all worked on the on the first issue? You know, who's who's all involved with it? Yeah, the first issue had um, I had. Um, John Schumacher, uh, John Schumacher, who he has another comic called The Clone Clone Hunters, and uh, he's actually been working on it for 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 a while now. Um, but he does a lot of great art, and uh, me and him kind of work together good. Where he he does a lot of the pencils, I do all the inking. You know, um, I think he's a great artist, and um, he's got a lot more to offer. He's actually um, joining me again on uh, issue number two. Um, also, Frank Tottarello, who is just a phenomenal, phenomenal artist, man. It was just um, so underrated, you know. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the work that he did for issue number one is, uh, you know, definitely good stuff. He's got such a variety of style, you know. He could do so much, and, um, you know, he, he just kind of did a, a two-page story, and I, I inked his work, and um, it just it just added to the flow he added really good flow to the issue on, on number one, you know, and then, and then me, you know, I just have, um, a bunch of different styles. I've been drawing for years, so I could do, you know, anything from portrait to, you know, just raw doodlings, you know, and just make it look evil, you know? Right. Um, um, God, so much going on right now with issue two. I'm just, I'm hoping I can get this thing done by Halloween, you know? Um, I mean, it's definitely, definitely going to be out, you know, either way. Not going to promise that I'll be done for Halloween, but that's what we're shooting for, you know. Um, I got a new team member on this issue's team doing a, a story for me um, called Shitwrecked. Um, uh, Mark K. Allen from uh, Fright Feast Comics oh, is, uh, yeah, is, Mark. is coming on board to do a story. And uh, uh, let me tell you, it just looks insane, you know, and it's going to fit right in what he's doing for me. It's a little bit different than what he usually does, you know, um, 
you know, he, he's a great gore shock artist, just amazing to me, you know, it just blows my mind, but uh, the, the work that he's, that he's doing for me now in this issue is just, wow, you know, like, <laughs> I can't believe it, you know, I'm just so excited about it, you know, and, um, you know, I'm also bringing um, John Schumacher back for a story, too, um, back on back on this other thing with uh, with Mark Kay. He's actually doing a story for me where I introduce um, a new host for the issue. Okay. Um, real quick, um, the Grim Face is on a suicide mission. Um, he's tired uh, of all his remedial uh, job of, of reaping lost souls, and uh, he just wants to off himself, you know. <laughs> so um, he um, he just yeah yeah it all it all comes into play. This whole thing I got going, but uh, he he decides to um. Uh, um summon up um, Shitface um, from his fecal tomb, the cesspool, to uh, tell two tales for the issue, the tales from the cesspool, um, you know, before, of course, he squashes Shitface back into the cesspool and continues doing the stories, you know, after realizing that he's already dead and he can't kill himself. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, you know, I, I, I want to really go for this whimsical feel with it, you know, sure. it's like, you know, he's scary, he's deadly, you know, we're all going to die, but, you know, um, you just look at him and you want to laugh, you know. <laughs> right, right. Now that's really but, um, cool. That's really cool. So, uh, yeah. How how has issue one gone over so far? How, what are people saying issue about one? It? Oh, you know what? Uh, surprisingly enough, it's really doing well. I mean, it came out in October of 2012, and um, you know, it's a very very small print run. I do have some copies left, but um, uh, considering how long it's been out, I've sold a lot of copies of this book so far. You know, um, you know, I. It's definitely doing well to me. They're still selling in the shops locally around here. Um, people still want them. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a very limited print. And, um, you know, you're not going to find, uh, you know, mess copies of this issue going around, you know. Right. So it's definitely, right. uh, to me, it's definitely a collector's item. And, you know, of course, the first issue. And, um, you know, it's, I say, another year. I mean, with Comic-Con coming up, and I'd like to get on the Comic-Con, I'm probably going to have a table at the New York Comic-Con. Okay. And, um, you know, whatever issues I do have left by then, if I do have any left by then, will definitely be gone, you know? Right. Well, okay, if I live in California and you're in New York, you know, how, how do I get a copy of it? Oh, um, you can definitely go um, www.insanetalesfromthedead.com and uh, you can get an issue right through there, you know? And as we learned and- in the interview before yours, Steph Dumas has them at Bloody Gore Comics. Oh yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I just actually um, put a, sent a link to him for Bloody Gore Comics, and he's another great artist. My God, you know the, the zombie commandos from hell, man. I actually just got a bunch of a bunch of copies of that, and uh, you know, my God, I just love it. You know, I just love it. You know, bring more horror, more and more gore. You know, more blood, and uh, and you know, bring the underground out. But you know, some things were just meant to be underground. You sure, know. Sure. All right. Well, let's switch. Let's switch gears real quick, and uh, let's make sure we talk about your band day of doom. Yeah, they do, man. Death metal, you know, goes perfect with horror comics. But um, if you love uh, hardcore death metal, then you'll definitely love Day of Doom. Um, totally, you know, mixed between Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse, Vader, Suffocation. Uh, you know, I could go on and on, you know. But um, we got a new album out called uh, The Gates of Hell. And, um, you know, right now we're actually shopping it around um for a label but it is out and you can get it through the insane tales from the dead website uh if you just flip through the pages there is a day of doom page on the insane tales site where you can get a cd you can get a shirt you know and um you know you can find out show dates and stuff like that you know we got a bunch of shows coming up um one is actually tonight but uh you know it's going to be a uh, pretty big but we got some other shows um 
People will hear this in, starting in July, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, I can throw some show dates out yeah, there. Yeah, do it. Um, we got Friday, July 26th, uh, Secaucus, New Jersey at the Blue Room. Uh, we got Saturday, August 10th, Poughkeepsie, New York at the Pickwick Pub. And we got Saturday, September 7th, um, Brooklyn, New York at the Trash Bar. This is all um, Bill Eckhoff, A&D Entertainment, man. So he's uh, he's doing a lot of management, getting some shows. And, um, you know, anybody that wants to come down and check out some great music and uh, you know, pick up a CD and also, you know, pick up a great horror comic, come down, support the scene, have a great time, you know. Perfect. And uh, it should be great, you know. All right. Well, before we before we get to the song, your song that we're gonna play, uh, let's let's wrap it up. Just remind everybody, you know, where they can go online and find you and find information about the band. All right. Uh, the band is um, uh, Facebook dot com slash Day of Doom. Um, www.reverbnation.com dot com slash Day of Doom. You can listen to a lot of tracks from our older CDs. Um, also, you could order some CDs from the, the Insane Tales from the Dead site, the Day of Doom page, and um, uh, what else? What else? Um, How about the book? Where can we find the book? The book, www.insanetalesfromthedead.com. And your Facebook page. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, facebook.com slash um, Insane Tales from the Dead. Which you have more likes than this show. How about that? Hey, yeah, excellent, man. Great. You know, that's, that's a, it's a great thing. Yeah, you know, I'm glad people are digging it. You know, I'm actually surprised, you know, because, um, you know, when they see issue two, um, uh, hopefully I'll get a lot more likes. Nice, know? nice. Um, I, 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 for one, can't wait for that. And, and personally, I, I, I thank you for coming on and, and being part of the show. And when issue oh, two thanks is, for having me, man. And when I issue two is ready, it. man, we'll, we'll have you back on so you can come on and, and pimp that. That's for sure. Excellent, man. Yeah, man. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Uh, we're going to play one of your tracks off of, off of your latest album, I'm guessing. So what, what yep, do you got yep. for us? All right, um, this one's called An Evil Demon Sea, The Last Days of Doom, and it's on uh, the Gates of Hell release, um, 2013. Total death metal, man. Hope you guys like it. Very cool. Doug, as always, uh, thank you so much, and then we'll talk again soon. Thanks again, man.
sad it's over again. You know, I am too. <laughs> How melancholy. <laughs> we feel like this awesome show, all this horror comics, all this metal, and then we get to the end and it's like... It's like pity party time. Only... I'm so lonely. <laughs> It'll be another month before we get to talk. I and know. Talk I know. And, and, and people have to use this to hold them over for a month. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's let's get to it. Um, as always, okay. our, our recap and our our end of the show is brought to us by the Ghastly Awards. If you are a horror comic creator. You need, and you had something that came out in 2013. You need to go to thegaslyawards.com and submit your work for nomination consideration. The judges will read everything and they will choose the nominees based off of what is submitted. So, in order to be considered, you have to submit. So, go submit your stuff. Like Dirk, he's going to submit his love stories about death. Love stories to die for, yes. Oh, see. I know. I'm still thinking the old title. Title, but now it's Love Stories to Die for. Okay. Yes, but I will be rest assured. Well, Love Stories about Death was up for Best Web Comic. It was. It was. This All is right. my. This <laughs> is my. Year. All right. So this month, the Gasly Award judges want you to take a look at uh, the books that they enjoyed the most. Uh, Denise Dutton really enjoyed uh, two books. She she enjoyed that uh, American Vampire one shot. I think it was one shot. I don't know. I didn't read it. It's like Long Road Home or something like that. And she also is enjoying Crossed. And I have to say, I'm enjoying the living hell out of Crossed at the moment. Christos Gage is destroying the story. So uh, definitely, definitely check out Crossed if you haven't in a long time, like I hadn't in a long time. Rachel Deering wants you to check out the new Hellboy Library edition, which I know, Dirk, uh, you wanted to talk about for a second. Yeah, the, the, the Hellboy Library editions are awesome. Volume 6, I hadn't read the stories in Volume 6 yet, so the Storm and the Fury and Bright of Hell, gosh, these library editions are just fantastic. Okay, um, Augustus, or we say Augustus, but he's actually Pedro. Pedro from Rumorg wants you to uh, take a look at the X-Files. He's a big X-Files fan. Uh, I personally didn't like this book, but that's me. Uh, let me rephrase it this way. What I hated about this X-Files book were the fact that it was called The X-Files. You should have probably just called it, uh, there's some scary monsters, and you don't know any of the characters, so you'll enjoy it. And then just change the faces of Mulder and Scully enough that you don't recognize them, and it would have been like this amazing book I would have talked about. But when you have to try to remember something that happened 11 years ago, nope. Nope. I was happy that Gillian Anderson was in the Hannibal TV series. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch Hannibal, though. Maybe when that comes on DVD, we can talk about it. <laughs> Lonnie from Bloody Disgusting, he wants you to read The Wake, the new Scott Snyder book from Vertigo. Um, not bad. I, I thought the first issue took forever to get somewhere, and then it got somewhere, so I still have to read number two. I still have to read number two, but that's actually reading this week. Um, Bree wants you to check out Steve Now's new book, uh, Breath of Bones with Dave Wachter. Fantastic fantastic uh, start to this, but it was kind of like the wait. It kind of took forever to get somewhere, so hopefully number two is a little bit better. Belinda Spaced wants you to take a look at uh, Lock and Key, which everybody should read Lock and Key anyways. Yes. Um, this, that issue had me... Had me uh, I'm uh, waiting for the... I'm a uh, trade waiter on uh, that. Derek, all I can say is have, the no, clean, have I, them clean ready. Oh my god. But see, I, you're, not oh, reading, I, you're not reading individuals. That's... that's ooh. Man, I know, I know. I'm I'm torturing myself. She also wants you to take a look at uh Xenoscope's new book, Screwed. Yeah, Tyler Kirkham. 
Woo woo! He didn't do anything in that issue. I thought Tyler Kirkham screwed. Well, he he it was one of those story, but some or no plots, and then someone else did the story. Right, but Tyler's a good guy, so definitely check out his stuff. Right. No, he's in fact David Miller is drawing it, I believe. Who's one, some of his first comic work was in the original Nightmare World series. Nice. See, it all comes back to Dirk. It's 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 uh, seven degrees of Dirk Manning. I can't help it. <laughs> uh, Mike Hollett wants you to take a look at the new or the new issue of Haunted Horror from IDW, which collects the classics, um, and me. I, I'm suggesting this month that you take a look at Chiller's Volume 2 from Chance Fusion. I, I thought that uh, as good as the first volume was, that this volume just took it up a whole whole nother notch because it was absolutely fantastic. And the story That's in... a ch- Chiller's Drive-In? No. This is just Chiller's, and it's based Chiller. off of the uh, trauma film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chiller's. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. the, story, the story in it that, that really jumped out to me was uh, Gary Reed's story, which... I thought it could easily turn into uh, at least a miniseries, if not an ongoing. So hopefully I'll just harass the living hell out of him, and, and that'll happen. Oh, and uh, one other book that was uh, recommended that you check out would be uh, Lust from the 44 Flood crew, who were on this episode. So you have that. So how about you? What uh, would you like this month? As you said, you know, Hellboy Volume 6, the, the library editions... Man, if anyone ever wants to treat themselves, totally check that out. Uh, but I'm going to say my issue was uh, Lazarus Number 1 by uh, Greg Rucka and Mike Lark. Uh, I kind of picked this up on a whim. Um, Rucka, I've always liked Lark's art, and Rucka's one of those guys that you know has put out some very consistently solid books over the years, although a lot of the stuff he's written is not stuff I would normally read. And, and I'll be honest with you, I got done reading this first issue, and I put it down and said damn, that is exactly how you put together a phenomenal first issue. A uh, slight dystopian future, kind of action-y, touch of sci-fi in there, some real psychological stuff. Uh, this is how you put together a perfect first issue, in my opinion. Very cool. Very cool. Alright, well that does it for this month, so let's get all of our freaking thank yous in. Uh, as always, we thank Century Media and now Metal Blade Records for giving us songs to enjoy. Dirk, Ed didn't know it, but he accidentally chose one of the Metal Blade songs for the month. So, Dirk, thank you for doing that. Or was it a coincidence? Mm, who oh, knows? Yeah, who yeah. knows? Thank you, Metal Blade. <laughs> we thank Ob with Dark Horse Comics. We thank Dave Elliott with Atomica Comics. We thank Andrew Kadalka, Doug Paskevich, um... Who else was on this episode? See, this is the tough part. I'm trying to remember everybody that was on here. Uh, let's see. Dave Elliott. We thank... Uh, oh, Rondell Scott. He debuted his new segment, Full Throttle Throwback. And I hope everybody enjoyed that. And he did guarantee that it was going to be longer in, in future episodes. <laughs> because three minutes where... Three minutes is... I told him you got ten minutes. So he gives me something with three minutes. So uh, You know, hey, that makes up for those of us that are a little more verbose. Look, sure. Exactly, exactly. Um, we thank our guest this month. We thank uh, Kazra Kabari from uh, 44 Flood for coming on. We thank Andrew Magnum and Mark Kidwell for coming on Talk Wilder. We thank, who else was on this? Oh, Steph Dumais uh, talking um, Zombie Commandos from Hell. And Doug Randazzo talking Insane Tales from the Dead. There it is. Oh. <sighs> How awesome is it that so many awesome people are involved in this show? 
And I always it's say o- it's people- only our fourth month. I know our fourth episode. I know, and more people are coming. Let's thank some websites. Let's thank the Ghastly Awards, Comic Related, Comic Attack, the Underground Video Network, and Drive Through Comics, all for hosting the show. I think that's yes. It. I think that's it. I think the only person left to thank is is Dirk. Thanks, oh, Dirk. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> it's always pleasurable. Oh, and remember, uh, if the, if there was any segment or anything where uh, you maybe missed a link that someone said and, and you want to go check it out, you go to monstersmel.com. There you can find everything from on all the bands, everything on all the, the hosts and and all the guests and everything. It, it's all there, and if you miss something, that or maybe like last you listened to number three and you missed something, there is an archive. So everything is there for you to uh, check out. You can stream it there. Don't forget, uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and save yourself some time so the first of the month when the new episode goes up, it automatically downloads the next time you turn on your iTunes. It's amazing. Technology Technology, is man. It is, it is insane. It is insane. So, all right, I'm going to get everybody out of here, uh, like I said in our intro, on the new Polka Dot Cadaver album that just came out called Last Call in Jonestown. This is the, the uh, title track from that. Last Call in Jonestown. So everybody enjoy, and as we say each month, keep them horns up. And pre-order Dirk's books in preview. <laughs> I mean, support good horror.
Drink from the car